Today's date is December 18th, 2017. Hello and welcome to Hit the Books Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Holcomb. And I'm Emery Saunders. And we're here to give you all the saucy deets on everything comics this week. For those of you unfamiliar with the show, this is our weekly podcast where we talk about the world of comic books. I'm typically your DC fanboy. He's typically your Marvel fanboy. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, we bring you the latest releases coming to your comic shops on Wednesday. We bring you the latest news and discuss it for your enjoyment. And then at the end of the show, we uh, bring you your our topics of discussion uh and hopefully you enjoy that remember you can find us on youtube on stitcher on itunes all for free so if you don't mind give us a like subscribe leave a comment uh give us some constructive criticism if you have it yeah we'd love to hear from you and uh let us know your thoughts on uh, everything we discussed today uh remember there's other content still on our youtube channel and everywhere else that you can check out we got some instructional videos and we got several movie reviews and we're we're looking to get some more uh volume reviews and uh other you know uh animation reviews and other things video game reviews so um plenty more to, to come look forward to all that once the christmas season's over i think we'll have more time to really hit all this stuff and <laughs> push it further oh yeah but Get we appreciate caught up, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> we appreciate your viewership and all your contributions, and uh, we hope to see you again. So, without further ado, Emery, what have you been reading? Well, Christmas came early last week with uh, Mr. Miracle. No- Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. Miracle, a book we have been raging about and loving oh. since its inception. And, and for I have you to thank for it, because you introduced it to me. Oh, yeah. And for good reason. I mean... My God, it, and by that I mean my new gods. <laughs> <laughs> now I think this issue reinforces more than the other issues that this book is technically a Vertigo comic, even though it has the DC logo for now. Once they relaunch the Vertigo line, I think this is going to return. Yeah, to the Vertigo line because there is some um, uh, adult content in this issue. There is, and a little more than previous issues. Yeah. Like, it becomes very apparent that once you're married, you get to do stuff with your (laughs) marriage partner. (laughs) And that's, you know, it's tastefully done. I think. (laughs) I don't know. I didn't understand why it needed to be in the book. But I understood why they did it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it just seemed like an excuse to draw some expression panels. I mean... And a lot of expression panels. <laughs> like, in, for me to, like, explain my point of view on that, I would have to give away, like, exactly why they are where they are in the book. But I thought it was necessary... And hot. <laughs> <laughs> they don't call her Big Barda for nothing. Oh, yeah. So this, this book, <laughs> it answers the age-old question. What happens when the escape artist, the greatest escape artist to ever live, is put in a bondage situation with his lover? <laughs> um, well, Does he escape? <laughs> Does he pull out? <laughs> In time. Uh, the the question is, can he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, I don't know. It was, again, it's, it's like the other comics where it's, you know, it's weird and it throws some clues your way, I think, but it also tries to throw some other things to throw you off the trail. Yeah. Of what's going on and the big mystery. I'm still a little 
antsy. I'm still a little worried that King's going to let us down in the end with some silly like explanation <laughs> or some silly like mystery solved moment that's not oh he better not <laughs> anything that I, I was hoping for or, you know getting excited about i don't know we'll see th- th- this man is walking a very thin tightrope with on paper what looks like in in some cases sounds like a pretty ridiculous character <laughs> but he's managed to make it not just endearing but electrifying there is something about this character that tom king captured that just makes it magnetic yeah and uh, we talk about this book a lot but i feel like there's probably some people out there that just have no idea who big barda and mr miracle and orion and all these characters are right so let me give you a brief rundown so you can run out and grab these fucking books before they're gone (laughs) yes do it there's a group or get them the, online if you have to. <laughs> in the DC universe, there's a group called the New Gods. They're basically uh, these godlike figures that exist in all forms of the DC universes, and they're usually at odds with Darkseid, who is the big bad of the DC universe. You think of Thanos, he comes from Darkseid. So Darkseid was the original big badass of the universe, big purple asshole. (laughs) Um, And they're usually at odds, and they're usually trying to fight over what they call the anti-life equation, which, if you gain access to it, you can basically manipulate all of the universes however you want, do whatever you want, change reality, change life, death, all of it. So this is what the basic premise of these things are. Mr. Miracle and Big Barda are children of the new gods that in a trade with apocalypse the planet apocalypse not the marvel character apocalypse right um (laughs) let's uh try to differentiate these things as best as we can they traded children to each other in an effort to try to make a peace that would last you have some of our guys we have some of your guys raise them how you want and this way we maintain the peace because we don't want to kill our own offspring essentially yeah and on the apocalypse side you have mr miracle who grows up being tortured by a kind of goofy <laughs> apocalypse character um <laughs> granny goodness granny goodness yes <laughs> um if you watch the justice league animated show you probably are familiar with granny goodness um but he grows up being tortured by granny goodness and he becomes the world's greatest escape artist by essentially just escaping from all of her torture devices over and over and over again, only to be captured and tortured again. And then Big Bardo is a very similar situation, except she was big, strong, and powerful, and basically fucked everything up, and eventually the two escape and end up on Earth, uh, and part of the, you know, past timelines of the new gods that are kind of irrelevant, you don't need to know them. Right. And Mr. Miracle becomes, you know, kind of a sideshow on Earth. Because he escapes from all these different traps and designs, and he becomes a superhero as well, and all these things. And yeah, like imagine if David Blaine, one didn't look like he was asleep all the time, <laughs> and two, uh, just happened to have a superhero costume in which he would basically perform escape artistry. That yeah. that's basically this character, but with like the darkest backstory. Yeah. So they are gods essentially, in the terms of the DC universe. And they do have superpowers, super strength, super endurance, those types of things. Um, on Orion, 
Uh, Orion is essentially Darkseid's son who went to the New Gods and was raised by the New Gods and raised by High Father, who is essentially the head god of the New Gods. So that that's your basic setup for all of this stuff. They're all familiar in the Superman universe and you know the Kirby sagas and all those things. So yeah, these characters have a sorted history. They're kind of goofy at their core, but don't let that deter you from this. I've told you all that you need to know. Big Barda and Mr. Miracle are husband and wife because, again, they escaped Apocalypse together. They experienced all the trauma of Apocalypse together, and they ended up on Earth. Um, And um, they have a sort of relationship that way, and they go back to the new gods because they reunited with the new gods and whatever else, and they helped them to fight Apocalypse. Uh, Darkseid, because Darkseid's a dick. <laughs> and Whenever Darkseid comes around, they show up to help out, because fuck that guy. Now, I don't want to tell you the start of this book, because it's key to the story, and oh, it's a yeah. very big moment in the first issue. So, please just take our word for it, take the, what we, the rundown we just gave you, and go pick up these books, or download them on Comixology or whatever, and read them if you are even a fleeting fan of DC Comics uh, or Tom King's work. The art is great, the story is great, and it's totally from characters uh, I never gave a shit about. So right, it's pretty awesome. This is uh, again, uh, like I've said it before, and I'll say it again. This is Watchmen level stuff we're getting here. Yeah, this is pretty cool. This is like new classic. This is the type of thing that will be talked about for years. Yeah. Assuming he can land on his feet, assuming he oh, ends this, yeah, in a, in that, that's a positive the one way. Yeah, that's the one thing about this book is that it has to stick the landing. Yeah. What else have you been reading? Uh, I read a couple of other issues. Uh, one of which was uh, Maestro's, I believe, number three. Yeah. <laughs> I love Maestro's. Go read Maestro's. Yeah. Image. First, second, third yeah. issues. All great. All wonderful artwork. Oh yeah. And very adult. Don't it, give this to your child. Yeah. This is very adult. Uh, but it, it's very detailed. It's very. There's like a, a sharpness to the art style yeah. in this one. That, it's really nice. Yeah, it's very rarely do you get art this like good in uniform. Yeah, inside, um, outside, just great every issue. Oh yeah. Um, also got to read uh, another title, uh, another number one put out by Image, Sleepless, which uh, honestly I have to say is pretty, at least from my opinion, uh, pretty. St- Standard like high fantasy affair. Written and drawn by who? Uh, this top two names on there. Let's see. We've got Sarah Vaughn as the writer. Uh, Layla Deluca, uh, not Deluca, Del Duca as the artist. I'll show you some Dukas. <laughs> Duca on your chest. You won't. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you wouldn't. <laughs> but yeah, it it seems like a. The kind of high fantasy affair that's going to maybe involve some kind of like courtly intrigue or maybe fighting some kind of uh, monster or dragon or some kind of like high fantasy war between kingdoms and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. It Just a quick shout out for uh, Maestros. Make sure we give the proper credit here. Maestros. Steve Scrochi is the writer and artist, and Dave Stewart is the colorist. So. Uh, Steve Scrochi does the bulk of the work for this book, and he's doing a fucking outstanding job. Hell then, yeah, he is. Obviously, Mr. Miracle, as we said, Tom King's 
is writing it, and Gerard's is uh, the artist on the book. So definitely, definitely, definitely pick those books up. But go on. <laughs> um, I also got to read uh, a Dark Horse comic, which couldn't say that for a long time. Um, Giants, which honestly seems like a, like what if you were some street kid in the Bronx or something, and then also Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's West Side Story. Yeah. With surprise giant monsters at the end. Sur- I, I, I wasn't really into it. Surprise! Um, if you're into kaiju, this might be up your alley. Sleepless, uh, you were talking about earlier. Um, it didn't really catch me. I Some concepts about it were really cool, and I was really into, but I felt like it nothing, nothing really happened, and nothing was really explained in that first issue. They just kind of allude to a bunch of things you don't know, yeah. which I hate when writers do that for the first issue, because that makes me not want to read your book now. <laughs> right. You know? It's like, let's... Um, say a bunch of jargon that really makes absolutely no sense out of context yeah the art wasn't bad but it wasn't especially wonderful either you know it was just middle of the field average yeah and um i don't know i'll probably pick up the second issue because i'm interested in a few specific aspects of the world and i think it could be really cool uh if they flesh it out a little bit hopefully the second issue fleshes it out (laughs) yeah Um, like there's a lot that i think that book missed out on narratively as far as being able to grab the reader i guess yeah anything else uh port of earth Woo! number two of earth my god this is basically like in my mind this is what i would want from like a a sequel or a side story to something like district nine yeah this is uh, from Zach Kaplan, Andrea Muti, and uh, Vladimir Popov is the colorist. So, yeah. Port of Earth. Uh, I think we talked about it last week a little bit when I said issue two was coming out. To me, this book, once again, um, exemplifies like a version of End of Watch. Yeah. But in a world where you have alien interaction, where this alien company is using your planet as a fuel source, you know, for its water. Yeah. Uh, essentially an alien version of Exxon Mobil is coming in and, you know, causing issues. It's like, Hey, yeah. You mind if we create a gas station right here on your planet? I can't control all of the, you know, intergalactic trucker assholes that might show up, but yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a great book. I'm 100% into this world. It it caught me from the first issue real quick, and I'm I, the second issue drove it home even further. Um, like I said, it's kind of like an end-of-watch thing because they, they got these drone cameras following them for a documentary. Yeah. They're shooting about the police task force, which handles, you know, any aliens that leave the port because they're not supposed to leave the port, you know. Yeah. They're supposed to come to the Earth, refuel, and then leave because... In previous incidents, the aliens or the humans that attacked each other, you know, you know, because of prejudice or because they're fucking crazy or because <laughs> they're fucking space bandits or whatever the case may be, you know. Yeah. So they have this task force to handle it. And the first book sets up a very cool premise. And the second book makes um, it feel more intense, makes it feel like there's more at stake. Yeah. If they mess this up. So. Yeah, that's uh, I think the. 
the thing that you mentioned as far as like the floating cameras around for the documentary yeah that i think personally made me think of district nine since it's technically the style of filming that that movie is shaky cam yeah (laughs) shaky cam someone else is recording i'm gonna talk at the the cameraman who doesn't say anything usually yeah uh, I think you're totally on point. I think like if you combined End of Watch with District Nine, oh yeah, you would get Port of Earth. Oh my and god! It, and if you liked either of those movies, I think you'd really love Port of Earth. So, yeah, Definitely pick up check. pick up this book. Yeah, thank you, Image, De- yet again. <laughs> <laughs> Keep doing what you're doing. Yep. <laughs> Anything else? Um, <laughs> well, the one other issue I read was uh, Coyotes Number One. I believe also from Image. Can you right. hand that to me? Thank you. And this one comes from Sean Lewis and Caitlin Yarsky. And I picked this one up because, A, it's a number one, and I'm a sucker for number ones. And, B, the cover art looked kind of cool. And I picked this book up, and it's it's setting up a world where you have basically every organization from the top to the bottom is kind of corrupt, and they live in this world where... Apparently, there's like the coyote version of werewolves hunting specific women in this, I'm guessing, Mexican community. Like uh, were coyotes. Yeah, and I guess the pr- the story tries to follow this girl, although it does it very poorly. It tries to follow this girl who experienced an attack that killed her mom and her grandma because they went out of hiding to go have one night to themselves. And for some reason, if they leave the house, then the coyotes can smell them and finds them and attacks them and whatever else. And then towards the middle of the book, she kills one and it turns back to a human. And obviously she's not surprised because apparently she's been doing this for a while with no explanation. (laughs) And again, she's still just a child and she's chopping off where coyotes heads with swords and shit and getting people killed. And just, Nothing about this book made sense, and there's like really, really bad dialogue in this. That it comes from like their host mother or whatever. Yeah. But she's talking like Samuel Jackson or something, but she's wearing this elegant like outfit, you know. <laughs> and I kept reading it in the Samuel Jackson voice just because of the dialogue, and they they love the word motherfucker. <laughs> it's elegant. That, that was elegant very entertaining. Mother. Yeah. Yeah. And I. The story was told really poorly, and it was all over the place, and the dialogue was stu- super, like, silly and, like, all over the place. Nothing was explained, and I think, like, the whole premise of this is that <laughs> I think it's setting up an environment where men are unabashed, like, carnivores coming after, you know, preying upon poor Aww. women that can't defend themselves, like, poor small girls. And I think that it's trying to paint that like corollary Aww. for the future because all the coyotes that get killed are men that Aww. happen to know relatives of her. Like one dies and he goes, I knew your sister, blah, blah, blah. And then he dies. Uh. Again, a disemboweled <laughs> head that's transforming, but still managing to talk before it dies. That's not how vocal cords work. <laughs> it's almost disaster artist level of stupidity. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you should writhe in pain before you shoot yourself. <laughs> I disagree. I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> this real comic book. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's not good. I don't recommend coyotes whatsoever. Maybe maybe there'll be more explanation. Maybe it'll get back on track. But the the 
the way it was told was confusing. Um, the art looked fine. The art was good. I can't put any of the blame on the artists. But um, the dialogue was awful. Um, the story premise seems really silly and just like out of place and nothing's uh. nothing's explained and the stuff that is explained is just silly. <laughs> I don't know. It's definitely not to my taste. If you want to test it out, feel free. But I don't I don't think Coyotes is going to go anywhere exceptional uh, if their covers don't really sell the books. Um, yeah. If they don't make up some ground in the future issues. I know issue two has been out, but I just... I have no desire to pick it up after reading the first issue. <sighs> so that takes us to our weekly segment. Did the content match the drapes? This is our weekly segment where we tell you whether the cover of the week and variant cover of the previous week um, uh, had content as good on the inside as the cover art on the outside. Um, this week, I didn't get around to uh, reactor number three. Um, the big reason is because reactor number two was not out yet. I don't know what, wait, what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what vault comics is doing it, but that's weird. The release schedule is a little weird and I don't, maybe it, I didn't check for number three being available. So maybe there was a delay and neither one was released, but fresh comics had it labeled for release last week. And then issue two is labeled for release this week. So... <laughs> Yeah. Didn't cover that one. We'll see. Great cover art, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, um, then the other one was uh, Wonder Woman number... What was that? It was Wonder Woman number 36. The Wonder Woman number 36 variant, which is very cool. And I have to say, DC, I love this redesign. I still wish the barcode was on the back. It's a small thing. They did shrink it, but if that was on the back, this cover would be perfect because I love how they put the DC logo and the square box in the corner. It's very discreet, very stylish, and it looks good. It actually adds to the comic, I think. So It's very much a step in the right direction. I, I love it, and it's not always the same color. It's not like a big blue banner every time or a big red banner like Marvel. It actually changes color with the comic to be appropriate, and it's I think it looks great. So good job, DC. Thumbs up. I love what you're doing with the redesign. Um but yeah, this Wonder Woman cover was great. What did you think about the inside? I didn't want to read it because it's a part of a long storyline that's been going on for a while about one of Wonder Woman's siblings. Uh, yeah, about that. <laughs> when it comes to a Wonder Woman story, I think one of the things that gets kind of lost in the ether is the f- she is Greek. She comes from Greek gods. And for some reason, when we give her a new brother named Jason, it's like we're forgetting the fact that, you know, she already has a brother that probably should have been in this comic, like Hercules. Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. (laughs) I probably would have done that very same thing had he shown up. (laughs) Had he shown up, I would have done that, but no. This isn't a spoiler because this has been news for forever. Yeah. Wonder Woman is the daughter of Zeus and Hippolyta. Zeus famously fucks everybody. Yes, he does. So there's a lot of siblings. Yes. Not really a big surprise that she has another surprise sibling. Right. Um, And she often fights with her siblings, sometimes not knowing that they're siblings. Sometimes she does know they're siblings. In the case of Hercules, who... Beats her ass from time to time. Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, but 
I don't know. <laughs> I just think it's silly that they can literally just make up as many siblings as they want, you know? Right. It's like when there's already a, a number of siblings that they could be pulling from. It just... It seems like, a, oh, we're going to try something new by coming up with something that doesn't make sense. Why? So I'm getting the feeling that there is this one specific passage that made you say, nope. <laughs> and it's a passage you showed me, which I would probably agree with if I had read it. Uh, well, uh, there's a passage and also the depiction of a character that just turned my brain completely off. Now, for those uh, who remember, I think, last episode, we talked about how they made a poor decision in New 52, even though I liked a lot of what they did. I didn't like what they did with Lobo. Where they took Lobo and they made him into kind of a teenage emo character with a ton of power. Right. And, um, he, he was basically a, a pompadour fop. There's a big bad in the DC universe that makes an appearance. We have mentioned him. Yes, we have. Hint, hint. Yeah. But he appears in this book. Um, and it, I don't want to say it because it's spoilers for other events as well. Um but he looks like a dipshit. Uh, like, his redesign... <laughs> he looks like it, a teenage it, asshole. It, it, his redesign hurts me so much that I almost immediately just drop the comic. <laughs> this is a character who has not only been in the comics for a long time, but he has, because of his tenure, he has a very established look. A look that, if you want to add to it, Check out Injustice 2. There there are plenty of ways in which you could add and maybe tweak his original design. Mm. But the change here was so drastic that he, he was nearly unrecognizable. I couldn't believe it when <laughs> the title character, Wonder Woman, called him out by name. And I just immediately said, nope. <laughs> nope, so, that's not him. Uh, fake news. Again, don't take this as the official. Content did not match the drapes. Take it with a grain of salt because we have not read up to this point in the event of Wonder Woman. We're right. Gonna, we're probably not going to read 36 issues anytime soon of Wonder Woman. Um, without maybe, maybe one day I'll revisit this. But yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to catch up eventually, but Rebirth just rubbed me so wrongly that I just <laughs> I just don't feel the need. It, it hurts. Uh, for any of the main dc universe lines right now but maybe with this rebranding uh, maybe i'll give it a test shot and see how it looks but um what'd you think unofficial did the content match the drapes unofficially i'm going to say no oh yeah well, and here's a thing that i don't want to discourage them from i don't want to discourage companies like dc from trying new things these companies could definitely benefit from trying new things, but there has to be some kind of recognition as to the trajectory that we're trying to establish for these characters. Not just, you know, narratively, but art-wise. It's like you can see the pretty logical progression from, like, Wonder Woman's Inception to Wonder Woman's current design. Like, it all kind of makes sense. But when you take characters like the main man, Lobo, 
a man with a very particular style, and then you change him into what they made him for New 52. It just, it, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. I'd agree. And I think that was, changes like that are the kind of thing that will deter me from picking up issues like this or wanting to continue mm-hmm. with issues or storylines or like across like multiple titles. If I see a character that I just say to myself, he would never do that. <laughs> he would never do that. Yeah. <laughs> why? why? It, it, I know for me personally, that's a turnoff. I'd say there had to have been other designs that could have worked better than this. Yeah, I I agree from the limited stuff I saw in the book. That I again for context, take everything with a grain of salt because we don't have the context of the story. I'm right. sure the story might be fine if we read it all the way through, and the new character, the new sibling, cousin, whatever the fuck he is, is probably just fine. You know, probably, but, but just on the, like that face value. one event just kind of soured the whole <laughs> progression of the book yeah uh with that let's get into the news Ooh, yeah what's first up we the have the today? biggest news item of course the disney buyout of 21st century fox oh my god now, there's a lot of information here so i'm going to read directly from a news article okay i'm yeah. going to give proper credit and everything but stick with us it, it might take a second yeah th- there's a lot to break down here disney has officially acquired 21st century fox and a deal costing $52.4 billion. My God. Now, this is also in stock value. Okay. <clears throat> Disney will also assume $13.7 billion worth of the debt taken on by Fox as a whole. It assumed the debt as well. So they're basically doing what the Browns did with Brock Osweiler. <laughs> where they didn't. <laughs> they paid him some money. But most of what they took was the debt. (laughs) (laughs) But um, how generous. Because, again, it was stocks that were paying for the actual buyout, not money itself. Um, To give you context for this, the Marvel buyout by Disney was $4 billion. The Disney buyout of Lucasfilms cost about $4 billion. Roughly the same. Which happened a little bit more recently. So with inflation, probably slightly less than what they spent for Marvel. Yeah. Uh, the spy out is in total over $60 billion with the debt. Six, over $60 billion. Marvel That's and Lucasfilms more... together were $8 billion. <laughs> Holy shit. That is <laughs> that is more than f- six times. That is literally more than six times what they spent on both of those companies combined. That is outrageous. Now, they're going to have to deal with a lot of lawsuits and anti-monopoly reviews and antitrust laws. And the paperwork is far more significant because you're buying... A company that also owns several studios and companies and TV shows and rights and whatever else. Right. Um, so there's a lot more to it than just the raw figure. Um, so yeah, th- that just means it's going to cost them even more in the long run, more time, <laughs> more effort, because it's not just quite as cut and dry as Marvel properties, cut and dry, as 
you know, Lucasfilm Properties, which was 100% owned by George Lucas, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's a very interesting circumstance. And I think some for good and some for very kind of maybe bad. We'll see how it works out. Yeah. So we'll let see. me read My you this God. article. This comes from Newsarama, written by Chris Arendt. Um, Walt Disney has announced the acquisition of 21st Century Fox for $52.4 billion in stock while carving out some assets to be retained by Fox's stockholders. As part of the deal, Disney will assume $13.7 billion of net debt that Fox has had on its books. Disney announced the deal Thursday morning, which would be pending final approval from each company's stockholders as well as government regulators. Now, Big thing to note, the people that own Fox, the stockholders of Fox, they're getting Disney stock. So they are going to partially own Disney. So everything you don't like about Fox, watch out, <laughs> because now they have a controlling stake in Disney as well. Um, it, really, this isn't a buyout of Fox per se. It's more of a fusion of Fox and Disney. Yeah. Where Disney was just the bigger guy, so Disney's logo keeps to stay. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> these people have a significant portion of Disney stocks now. So there's particular characters um, that people do not like from Fox, uh, like Rupert Murdoch, who has a sordid history. <laughs> yes, he does. And now he's going to be a big owning interest in the <laughs> Disney company and all Disney properties from now on. So this is a, something that makes me a little fearful, a little tentative about. Um, this isn't just him selling his stock and giving it away. This is him trading his stock for Disney stock uh, that gives him more money. <laughs> yeah. And a ruling interest. So big, th big difference here, and you might want to watch out. You know, all those things you may or may not like about certain Fox brands, <laughs> they're going to be bleeding into Disney, even if Disney isn't buying the specific brand that right. you may have feelings about. Um, quote, the, ac the, the acquisition of the stellar collection of business from 21st Century Fox reflects the increasing consumer demand for a rich diversity of entertainment experiences that are more compelling, accessible, and convenient than ever before, said Disney chairman and CEO Robert A. Iger, who, as part of the deal, renewed his employment contract through 2021. We're honored and grateful that Rupert Murdoch has entrusted us with the future of businesses he spent a lifetime building, and we're excited about this extraordinary opportunity to significantly increase our portfolio of well-loved franchises and branded content that greatly enhance our growing direct-to-consumer offerings. The deal will also substantially expand our international reach, allowing us to offer world-class storytelling, innovative distribution platforms, and to more consumers in key markets around the world. Another big thing to note about this is Fox owned 30% of Hulu, which is a streaming app that I'm very fond of. Disney also owns a 30% stake in Hulu. Now that Disney is pushing through this purchase, once the purchase is finally approved by regulators and everything, Disney will own the majority of Hulu, which means Ooh. all your great Netflix content it may not last. It may <laughs> not stay there. Your Punisher, your Defenders, your Iron Fist, your Jessica Jones, your Luke Cage, your 
Daredevil. That might be moving. These things might be moving, or if the contract is exclusive to Netflix, uh, they might not get their next few seasons because these properties are now <laughs> in direct competition right, with, with a majority-owned Disney property, which is Hulu, which they're going to be pressing, I guarantee you. Um, maybe in replacement of their Disney-exclusive streaming app they were going to do. I can envision where they put them together now and hulu becomes this giant disney streaming service yeah um easily oh my god that's another big part of this deal that people don't realize so keep an eye out for that um i think netflix might have some things to be afraid about Uh, amazon can eat it because amazon's a huge (laughs) industry corporation that can basically throw money out the window and (laughs) set it on fire as long as they want yeah yeah Uh, netflix amazon has everything and netflix has been struggling to make a profit for a while now um so this (laughs) if you love netflix you might want to watch out for this deal yeah Um, prices might go up (laughs) and to be fair i love hulu i love netflix i love amazon prime but you know at the, the end of the day, those things are like an, another additional bill that we, you're paying for every we, month. Yeah, we make fun of this DC streaming app all the time because who's going to buy it when you have to purchase all these other things to enjoy all the content you want? Right. Now it's especially true because <laughs> <laughs> DC is going to be competing with this juggernaut that is Disney. Oh, my God. Uh, Warner Bros., let's face it, isn't going to be able to handle all that. It, it, it's not on that level yeah. anywhere close. Specifically named in Disney's acquisition in the entertainment properties include X-Men, Fantastic Four, Deadpool, Avatar. James Cameron, stop. (laughs) (laughs) I I hope Disney immediately cancels all these extra Avatar movies because nobody wants them. No. The Simpsons, The Grand Budapest Hotel, Hidden Figures, Gone Girl, The Shape of Water, and The Martian. And Dr. Doolittle. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Dr. Doolittle, I'm sure, is included in the deal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, skip over as we said uh, this purchase also includes Fox's 30% stake in Hulu which combined with Disney's own 30% would give it majority control over the streaming service Uh, the remaining uh, portion is owned by Comcast and Time Warner Comcast having dropped out of this deal which led to the Disney purchase Um, just prior to the acquisition agreement Fox spun off the companies behind channels such as Fox Fox News Fox Business, FS1, FS2, and the Big Ten Network back into a new, as yet unnamed company to be owned by Fox's shareholders and not acquired by Disney. So you got people like Rupert Murdoch, which people don't necessarily have a fond opinion of, and things like Fox News, which has a sordid reputation, um, (laughs) not being held by Disney whatsoever. But those influencing hands now owning substantial stock in Disney and having a significant say in what yeah. goes on with Disney properties. So I don't know yet. Maybe it's, I feel like it's going to be a little touch of a deal with the devil type of thing, you know, in order to get these properties. But we'll see. Again, Disney is basically eliminating a huge portion of competition from its own channels like ABC and, you know, whatever else. So Oh, yeah. Is, this isn't an insignificant move. It's not an uncalculated move for sure. You know, we talk about the superhero franchises, but there's a lot more to this than we realize. So While there is definitely a lot more, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm pretty sure X-Men, uh, not X-Men, uh, Marvel is just, they're related. They're probably yeah. excited. Like, 
we finally get to do X-Men. But if you have people like Rupert Murdoch dictating <laughs> dictating how your movies are released and the the paths they take and what characters are and aren't allowed to do and appear in, yeah. Yeah. yeah you might have some issues there. We'll see. We'll we'll see. My, my fingers crossed. My fears could be completely unfounded, but I'm tentative on this. Um <laughs> Quote, we are extremely proud of all that we have built at 21st Century Fox, and I firmly believe that this combination with Disney will unlock even more value for shareholders as the new Disney continues to set pace in what is an exciting and dynamic industry, said Rupert Murdoch, 21st Century Fox's executive chairman. Furthermore, I'm convinced that this combination under Bob Iger's leadership will be one of the greatest companies in the world. I'm greatest... Uh, excuse me. I'm grateful and encouraged that Bob has agreed to stay on and is committed to succeeding with a combined team that is second to none. End quote. No mention has been made of Fox's minority stake in Boom Studios, who would ultimately own uh, that small portion with the deal. To elaborate on this, uh, you know, I'll, I'll talk about it later. There's oh, yeah. a lot of information to digest. So. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of ins, a lot of outs. Under the terms of this acquisition deal, currently 21st Century Fox shareholders will receive 0.2745 Disney shares for each Fox share they hold, subject to adjustment for certain tax liabilities. Always got to have a tax law right out. So, but of course, to give perspective, Disney stock much more valuable than Fox stock. So. That it's not a one-to-one deal for that reason. They're still making a huge profit on it. Hence the $52 billion. So right. That will result in approximately 515 million new shares of Disney stock issued to Fox's shareholders represent a tw- representing a 25% stake in the Walt Disney Company. So you're going to have people from this Fox Rupert Murdoch world owning a quarter of the stake in Walt Disney. That is terrifying to me as a fan. <laughs> uh, it would it would be more terrifying to me if it was like maybe 40%. You uh, say that, but all the other percentages are spread out across a lot of properties and a lot of people. That's very true. Uh, that is very true. <laughs> a quarter of the stock. That's That's a lot for right. any group of individuals or organization that isn't the original... <laughs> family or owner you know uh he- here's my big question gotham we'll see yeah this that is like how i think that, that was on fox i think gotham still stays because fox network is still included so i think the fox shows including gotham will probably be untouched now, because i think it's still under rupert murdoch's control now i can can we technically call that Disney's Batman? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that one. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think that still stays with the Fox proper group or whatever they rebrand brand as. So Yeah. The boards of both company uh companies have approved the transaction with plans to present it for approval to its shareholders later this year. If stockholders approve, it would then go before the government regulators, which is expected to take as long as eighteen months. So this is this is a big deal. Uh, and comic books aside, you know, yes, we get the great benefit of being able to have these universes back together where they're supposed to, but this is a huge media company, basically fusing 
and you know fusion ha! <laughs> um, dragon ball reference fusing and like just devouring the media market you know there's not a whole lot left <laughs> to compete with them which is why there's going to be issues with antitrust laws and monopoly laws um you have universal studios eh. mgm maybe eh. Like, there's not a lot out there that can really compete. You have Netflix to an extent, you know? Like, these, and I don't think Netflix is going <laughs> to last that much longer. Right. And I think the, the thing that we can probably expect, especially with uh, Disney seeking out an answer to the streaming service, is that this is going to be in a, a fight for the internet eyeballs. I could see Disney just spreading its fingers even further. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, it, it could very much be a direct, you know, strike to try to get rid of streaming competition like Hulu versus Netflix and, you know, uh, like the proprietary Disney app having competitors on other stations. And Yeah. Uh, I can totally see that. And then, but I think Google is just such a big company. I don't think, I think we're going to eventually get to a point where there's about three or four major media companies, both internet and, you know, at every other form of media. And that's about it. You know, <laughs> you're going to have Grandpa Disney, you're going to have Grandpa, you know, Google, and <laughs> you're going to have Grandpa Amazon. And that's, those are your big three. And they're going to own everything, you know, in some way, shape, or form. Oh, so, yeah. I'm a little. I'm I'm very excited to see what happens with X Men and all these other properties, but I, I'm I'm a little afraid of what this means for the media, you know, and for yeah. you know, we, one thing we don't take into account oftentimes is how much power these companies hold in the kind of public conversation and the kind of uh, public persuasion. What's acceptable? What's not acceptable? You know. I, I give Fox a lot of credit because they tested the waters with things like Logan and Deadpool, and they they had good results. And I think those types of risk taking behaviors m- will probably help the greater property and brand. Yeah. Now holding a twenty five percent stake at Disney in the long run, assuming this all goes through as planned. Um, but I'm also afraid that there's going to be too many you know cooks in the kitchen, all trying to spice things up their own way. And there's too many controlling hands, too many powerful controlling hands, I should say, um, that can all cooks. that can all dictate what messages we want to send, what um, cultural norms we want to challenge, and which ones we want to reinforce, and so on, so on. Yeah. Um, so, it, like, I could see from that Disney in its own way, and uh, vicariously Fox through Disney controlling those conversations or at least making an attempt yeah and i don't know if that the solution is through regulation in the form of antitrust and anti-monopoly laws because to the strictest code of the book there's a lot of competition out there yeah it's just the competition that is there is far smaller um yeah they've had far less success has a very big uphill battle you know Maybe these properties, maybe Star Wars and superheroes and all these other properties, Harry Potter and, you know, on Warner Bros. side, you know, maybe these things will get old and these companies will have to attack something new to try to stay relevant and stay profitable or whatever. But I doubt it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, These properties are probably going to hold significant value going forward and far into the future. So, yeah, and I think there's a lot of responsibility and a lot of 
power there that, you know, we might want to take into account when we're celebrating these deals, you know. All, all of this Not could... to quote a terrible Star Wars movie, you know. <laughs> this is how democracy ends, <laughs> with applause, thunderous applause or whatever, you know. Uh, uh, oh, you quoted the prequels. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... Yeah. Do you feel more optimistic or do you have the same fears as I do? Um honestly, I'm kind of in between because I have a lot of optimism for all of the properties that I have wanted them to purchase. But at the same time seeing the ramifications of like their full extent of purchasing the studio 21st Century Fox. It it's much more far reaching than I think anyone originally thought. Yeah. And I think people are very much viewing this as the Marvel Fantastic Four purchase and celebrating, you know. Yeah, there's like let's get X Men, let's get Fantastic Four, let's get all these other properties that belong under one roof and then like we forget about things like Simpsons. We forget about things like Avatar. Trying to forget about Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> not a bad movie, just not a movie that warrants six sequels. Yeah, no. There's like we, we don't need to terminate the shit out of hundreds that. Hundreds of millions of dollars in budget. You know, go to WB for that nonsense. <laughs> well, treat it like Terminator. <laughs> you want CGI drenched hundred million dollar movies? You go to WB. Where <laughs> <laughs> it'll all still be in the dark. <laughs> Nighttime it, alien Pocahontas. Uh, in CG. No. <laughs> no. I love you, James Cameron, but please stop doing this. Quit it. Quit it. Just do do something small. Like and Terminator 2. <laughs> <laughs> Again. Please. <laughs> With but, old Gavinator. Yeah. <laughs> But again, at the core of this, everyone really wants this to come out just as a, a deal where everyone benefits. And that's what I want. I want for everyone to benefit for benefit from this. Yeah. But uh it it can very easily turn into plans of domination. <laughs> yeah. Uh, both you know, economic and cultural, you know, yeah. whether we like it or not. They might not see it that way. They may see it as more, you know, just a money move or whatever. Right. Racing competition. Um, but I think some of the side effects could be, you know, the cultural representation you're not comfortable with or something that might be detrimental to the market as a whole. Uh, yeah. And both economically and culturally. Now, again, I'm just, I'm a pessimist pessimistic type of dude <laughs> when it comes <laughs> to these big deals so i'm hoping i'm very hopeful that this works out well like you said for everybody and it's just you know a, a move that proves beneficial and the quality improves for everybody and the organization improves together and you know they equalize a little bit you know they counterbalance each other a little bit yeah and we get a nice cool product that we can all be happy with and proud of and um it's like it, it worked for buying out Marvel. It so far has kind of worked for buying out Star Wars. I'm hoping that with Fox, things will just be more of the, yeah, we're, we're here to buy it so that we can keep it going and maybe 
course correct some of this. Yeah. Which, that's what I want. That is all that I've wanted is for there to be a course correction with X-Men being the chief title among that, but there are plenty of other titles that could definitely do with a reworking, as it were. Absolutely. Um, next up in the news, Jeff Johns and Gary Frank's new book, Doomsday Clock, number one, was the best-selling comic book and second best-selling comic book, I'll explain that in a second, <laughs> of November. DC dominated sales with the first seven best-selling comics all going to DC, and eight of the top ten best-selling comics this month, or excuse me, last month, going to DC. And now, let's elaborate on these numbers. Do, do, do. Where is it at? Where is it at? Where is it at? Where is it at? There we go. All right, here's your list of top 10 selling comics for the month of November. Number one, Doomsday Clock, number one. Second one, Doomsday Clock, number t- number one, Lenticular Edition, which is a variant, which is the stupid one that transitions with your eyes. Right. Um, so that's how <laughs> uh, Doomsday Clock, number one, sold the best in two different issues. And that's pretty impressive because... Two separate versions of the same issue <laughs> sold more than everything else. Right. That's that's peculiar to say the least. The third best selling was The Batman Who Laughs, number one, which is part of the metal event, which I have no interest in right now. I've actually heard that particular one isn't bad. Yeah, some people went into it on uh on a group I was talking to and it it sounds like it's cool, but I just the, the, the surrounding premise. circumstances is what makes it. Ugh. Yeah. You know. uh, four was Batman Lost number one, uh, which I thought about picking up, but I, I looked through it and it didn't really pique my interest. Number five was Batman number 35. Oh number my God. six was Batman number 34. Oh, are, come on. Are you noticing a trend here? <laughs> <laughs> number seven was Batman the Devastator number one, which is, again, part of the Dark Knight Metal. <laughs> storyline it's a whole lot of batman going on here yeah um number eight was captain america number 695 surprisingly i would never expect a captain america to be the top 10 selling book but yeah not only the the top book (laughs) for your entire company yeah my god number nine Batman Annual number two. I swear to God, <laughs> which was which was a cover of the week. It was, and the content did match the drapes. It, it was uh, well done in a very cute but predictable fashion. Yeah, uh, and then at number ten we have Star Wars number thirty-eight. So not even a Marvel proper <laughs> <laughs> book. It's a Star it's Wars like book. Marvel had a Captain Marvel America had one. Captain America? <laughs> really? It's like out of nowhere. <laughs> and then Captain Star America Wars? number 695. My God. Now, if you look at this trend, though, Doomsday Clock 1 and 2, Batman Who Laughs, Batman Lost, Batman number 35, Batman number 34, Batman the Devastator, Batman Annual. <laughs> <laughs> Batmanual? Those are all of the DC books. So you have the Watchmen thing, and then you have a ton of Batman. Oh, my so, God. <laughs> If you didn't if you didn't know what sold, now you remember. I wonder why DC keeps going all in on Batman. <laughs> I wonder. Um there have been marked uh shrinkages in the sales from uh the November of last year, November of 2016. 
the drop off is around an average of nine percent for everybody. But you got to remember, this time last year we were going through big new world building stuff with Secret Wars for Marvel and right. uh, Rebirth, Rebirth for DC, or at least on the tail end of it. So it's significant difference, but um, there is a lot to be happy with and that's particular how even dc and marvel comics are right now so there's no one arm ruling the whole market there is good competition going and uh image comics bringing up you know the rear with about eight percent of the sales in the market and then you have idw and dynamite dark horse boom studios uh all fighting around you know the three to four percent area of the market and sales on the market yeah and we need to get those numbers up because image is awesome oh yeah yeah my god (laughs) so that's your sales statistics for people that enjoy that sort of thing and once again no surprise batman (laughs) (laughs) dominates sales because Uh, that's what batman does because he's Batman. because he's batman um next up we alluded to this a little bit with our discussion of the the buyout but boom studios uh has a small portion of Fox ownership and part of the Fox ownership deal uh, is that Fox got first dibs on any kind of properties going to media like movies, TV, streaming, whatever. So now that Disney is purchasing this deal, this would probably mean in the future, Disney will get first dibs on any kind of media content from Boom Studios, which has several great comics. We've talked about them. We had a few as covers of the week and stuff. So, um, Boom Studios is not the biggest comic company, but definitely a really uh, beloved, independent, you know, sort of owned family type <laughs> deal, you know. Uh, I think they're growing. Th- yeah. They're growing, yeah, slowly. Uh, I think they're around 2% of market sales, so... Not huge, but <coughs> they they have a significant impact, and uh, it's interesting. But I I'm a little afraid that this means that Marvel Comics is just gonna absorb eat boom, up yeah. another group of independent comics. Um, which and I like mean w- with DC and Vertigo, yeah. If if you're familiar with comic books at all, these things happen. It always happens. It's always happened. You know, I mean, that's how. DC Comics about action comics and detective comics and all these different things that come together, you know. Um, it's kind of a nature of the business. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll see where this goes. Uh, but it, as a fan of some Boom books, I, I kind of hope, you know, it remains a minority interest and Boom still gets to run the way Boom wants to run. Yeah. Um, but that's just me. And uh, Again, another one of the many fleeting <laughs> fears <laughs> that are included in this huge deal this 60 something billion dollar deal here um next up in response to the announced um purchase members of the senate's antitrust committees are looking into the fox disney sale for approval citing anti-monopoly laws uh, i'll give you some specific details here top members of the house and senate uh, subcommittees have called for an investigation into Disney's proposed buyout of 20th Century Fox, citing anti-monopoly laws, according to Variety. Ranking Senate Antitrust Committee subcommittee member uh, Senator Amy Klobuchar, Klobuchar, hopefully I pronounced that right, from Minnesota, and Ranking House Antitrust Subcommittee member Representative David Cicilline 
have asked their respective committees to conduct an investigation. Uh, and this is Elaine from, from Rhode Island. Um, to conduct an investigation into the proposed deal. Klokobar. Klobukar. <laughs> such a weird name. Klobukar called the buyout another industry-changing merger, which would have major implications in television, film, media, and saying, I'm concerned about the impact of this transaction on American consumers, end quote. Quote, Disney's proposed purchase of 20th Century Fox threatens to put control of TV, movie, news, and content into the hands of a single media giant, said Cicilline. If it's approved, this merger could allow Disney to limit what consumers can watch and increase their capabilities. Disney will gain more than 300 channels, 22 regional sports networks, control over Hulu, and a significant portion of Roku, another streaming service, ah. uh, end quote. The deal was struck Thursday, so there's even stuff that we don't realize that right. has significant it, it, impacts it, on this market. More and more of this comes to light. The deal was struck Thursday with Disney agreeing to buy Fox's assets for $52.4 billion, plus $13 billion worth of debt, Yep, with a separate guarantee for each party should the buyout be blocked. So for those unfamiliar with... Uh, United States of America's politics and our laws uh, in the early 1900s into uh, the 50s. We've had various antitrust, anti-monopoly laws, anti-pooling laws because in the late 1800s during the Industrial Revolution, uh, at the peak of it, um, many of these companies were basically getting super powerful and then they would either buy the smaller competing companies or they would just ruin them. They would do strategic things to undercut them as much as they could and just because their coffers were so much larger, outlast them until they all died. Yeah. And in some instances, a more criminal nature where they sent, you know, thugs to go and fucking (laughs) (laughs) break up their offices and set their factories on fire and whatever else. Yeah, some, like, gangland type shit. As much as many people want to believe that America is a free market capitalism and that's why it's so successful, we are not. In fact, (laughs) fact, free market capitalism brought about, you know, the great depression so yeah there had to be regulatory statutes that initiated in the late 1800s into the 1900s and onward so we have these regulation committees sometimes they don't (laughs) do what they're supposed to but sometimes they do and sometimes they do a little more than they're supposed to yeah so it you know there's arguments on all sides but generally we have a system in place where we try to you know prevent companies from pulling their monies together to destroy smaller competing industries or businesses or whatever and so they can essentially jack the prices of everything they want to a mar- profit margin they want you know right uh and of course there's always limits of demand and that's what kind of the more anarchistic libertarians might argue but in reality it's not how it works in practice and it's just like pure socialism doesn't work it's <laughs> pure capitalism doesn't work either you know yeah um there has to be a, a, a mix between the two. Yeah, there has to be some kind of regulatory influence on either side. Um, and there has to be counter- counterbalances. And this is just another example. Uh, personally, I think that the sale will probably go through. Um, and the reason I think that is because we have specific people in power that are probably more business friendly. So they're going to allow the bigger businesses, not the smaller businesses, to gain the advantage here. Yeah, most likely, or at the very least, vocally support it and put their weight behind it. Um, 
And then on the other side of the coin, there are still many competitors in the market that you can point to. You can point to Universal Studios and say, hey, they're still around. You can point to NBC and say, hey, they're still around. You know, these. Yeah, Paramount. Paramount, yeah. So there's still competitors in the market. There's, you know, other streaming devices and apps, you know, Netflix, for example. There's uh, Amazon Prime and Amazon's influence and then Google's influence with YouTube. And, you know, there's Twitch out there. And so there's. There are technically other competitors, but remember, the the law is designed to prevent companies from growing so large that they can just undercut the other companies and destroy them by pulling their money together and <laughs> waiting it out. Yeah, uh, which is what Amazon has been kind of doing for a while and getting away with it. Um, so it's something to think about. I you know I'm not an economist, so I can't tell you what's right, what's wrong. But I think I suspect that based on the current regime in power and the current majorities in Congress and stuff that most likely the business side of things will go through. They might have to make some small adjustments with the committee's review and everything, but I think overall it's probably going to go through and it's probably going to be fine. Uh, But it's a lot to think about, you know, for our media and our entertainment and the, the impact it has on our overall cultural and, and marketplace. So, yeah. Uh, don't take these things lightly. It's great that we get to see the things we've wanted to see for so long, but they didn't take the Sony approach of just you know getting the rights back temporarily or paying some money or, or whatever else. They bought the whole damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> and and just, this is a very bold move. And they said, "Hey, you want to own some of Disney? Come on in. <laughs> you know, in exchange, we'll take all of this." Is like we're Thank we're, you. we're 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 gonna work out this whole thing. And everyone's gonna love it. Yeah. So at least that's the hope. Again, hoping everything works out great. Hopefully, I'm completely wrong to worry about these things. But I'm glad that there's something in place to at least review it and check it out. And yeah, you know how bureaucracy is. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it takes way too long. Sometimes it takes doesn't take long enough. <laughs> you know, right? Uh, to consider things. So we'll see how it goes. Let us know what you think in the comments, please. I would love to hear what people think out there. Um. Next up on the news, we have received our first images of Hawk and Dove for the DC streaming app, which will probably die, (laughs) show (laughs) Titans. Um, Hawk will be played by Alan Richson, and Dove will be played by Minka Kelly. So these are very uh, lesser-known superheroes uh, in the DC universe. They are two characters that... Essentially, have powers like super speed, super strength. Uh, the the powers that they hand out like candy. Yeah, they have generic superpowers, and they you know vary based on the universe and based on the writer and stuff. Yeah, and generally they're people that you know. Sometimes it's like a spirit takes over their body and they become the hawk and the dove or whatever else. Ooh. Honestly, I thought they were some of the lamest fucking superheroes <laughs> in all of comics. <laughs> and that includes like the prior kind of goofy Mr. Miracle and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, these characters I couldn't give a shit about. But I will say their costumes look pretty decent. Uh, like the Robin costume we saw previously. Yeah, the- while they look legit, I think it's the concept in and of itself. The concept is really dumb. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's just something you're never going to get away from unless you just choose not to use them, which I think they should have done. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think of all the people you could possibly put in Titans. 
why Hawk and Dove? Yeah. They're, they're not even teenagers <laughs> in the comics. Uh Unless we're looking at like support characters that show up like every once in a while, but yeah. I think they're they're signed for like every episode. Uh, Titans is scheduled for its premiere on DC's proprietary streaming app in 2018. So there you have it. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Again, I I think the costumes look cool, and if the writing's good, you can probably make them work. But if the concept's goofy, and it's gonna be really hard to do that, you know. Yeah. And uh, of all the things they could have revealed after Robin. They they chose Hawk chose and Dove. Hawk and Dove. Are, they, are we keeping to had, a bird theme? They had nothing better to <laughs> offer. <laughs> I don't Could know. Could we maybe see like I don't know some kind of concept art for Beast Boy? <laughs> Since you know we have him cast. Beast Boy, Starfire, Fire, yeah. Cyborg. I don't know. We're, I, we're probably not using Cyborg. You better use Cyborg, you <laughs> fox. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> no, Cyborg's uh, playing it with the big boys now. Yeah, those universes don't exist together. <laughs> we know it. They know it. We all know it. We all know it. Next up on the news, the new age of DC heroes, which is kind of a big advertising shtick that DC is doing with its in coordination with its new redesign, where they're introducing a bunch of brand new characters. Something we've been talking about. Yeah. And of course, there's diverse characters in there. <laughs> Something we've been talking about. Yeah. Good job, DC. You're not doing the lazy way and rebranding <laughs> old characters. You're creating new ones. Hooray. Uh, again, it's like I said before. I don't want to discourage them from doing new things. This is the one new thing or the thing that would be new that I want to encourage them to do more. Yes, instead of making, say, hypothetically, black lesbian Wonder Woman, <laughs> you're making a new character. Yes, a, n- a new character wonderful. where you have the freedom to create a new backstory and new powers. Yep. And something that isn't tied to something that's Maybe already there. Maybe not call each other Hawkeye. <laughs> <laughs> It still uh, hurts. Yeah. <laughs> so this is great. Um, uh, the the initiative starts next month and uh, some of the January issues. Um, the biggest one that's been shown so far is a character called The Silencer, which is a, a book about a uh, female former assassin who used to work for uh, Leviathan, which is, if you're familiar with the Batman Inc. stuff. <sighs> I hated <laughs> Batman Inc. Um it's basically a, an assassination group that's kind of born out of Talia Ghoul being at odds with her father and other things. So right. Um. So she is a former assassin, and it it's explained in the description that the reason we've never seen or heard of her before is because she's good at her job, <laughs> <laughs> which makes sense. Y- unlike yes. Unlike Grayson. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, okay, okay, uh, enough about Grayson. Fox. <laughs> 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 uh, this is a book about a former assassin who got out of the game and is trying to live a normal life and try to make a family and whatever else. But of course, the first issue, apparently, the description says she gets dragged back into it by Talia Ghoul and b- because they need her to do some kind of hit job that only she can do for whatever reason. So, it's or at least they only trust her to do. Yeah, that that's pretty standard like secret agent uh former assassin affair. There are plenty of movies about things like that. Yeah. So I think this yeah. is cool. Um you know, they could have done the e- easy way and just changed Deathstroke to, <laughs> you know, 
his daughter or whatever <laughs> and just <laughs> sent him along. Yeah. Or but they we created a brand new character so we can get to know and learn about a brand new character, which is always good. Yeah. And thankfully, something that isn't another Batman title. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to what comes next. Um, next up on the news, James Franco is in talks to be multiple man in an X-Men spinoff movie from 21st Century Fox. Now, of course, all this stuff is a little bit in the air because of the acquisition. We don't know what's going on with the X-Men universe. And again, this deal may take up to 18 months to be approved and verified and all this other stuff. So we'll see. James Franco is the big name right now because of disaster artists and all these things. And uh, <laughs> because of what a how story, he, can, Chris. <laughs> he can morph into other characters. <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Go see that movie. <laughs> so we're going to have him possibly playing multiple man, and it seems like they're going for a more R-rated type of movie. I'm not really familiar with multiple man, so you, you'd have to enlighten me a little. Uh, multiple man is, depending on which universe, either, well, the universe that matters, the 616 Marvel, uh, multiple man has been... Uh, I think he started out as uh, kind of a side villain, but in uh, iterations after like his first appearance, uh, he showed up as a member of X-Factor, which uh, included him, Havoc, Polaris, Strong Guy, and I think Wolfsbane. Uh, he then get, got to be the leader of that group after he turned that name into the name of a uh, detective agency in which he might have been every detective. Because <laughs> <laughs> why not? Yeah, it's like if you can make more of yourself, why not handle every angle of the situation? Yeah. And I, I got to tell you, uh, this is an actor's wet dream. <laughs> oh my God. Is like if there is one thing that actors love to do, it's to show their range, and or at least attempt to do. <laughs> a a attempt, yeah. yes, at the very least. But uh, I trust James Franco with this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I I wasn't sure of how well he was going to do in the Disaster Artist, but after seeing this movie. Uh, remembering him from a previous Marvel title, Spider-Man, <laughs> uh, and seeing him in several other things like Pineapple Express. Um, I think there's a movie where he uh, got to play the role of James Dean in a biopic, <laughs> uh, among other things. Um, I trust him with this one. But you know what's going to happen at, like at the very beginning of this movie everyone because of him being in the disaster artist is going to make some kind of the room joke absolutely and i'm looking forward to it <laughs> i did not hit her i did not and then the other morph guy is going to come in i hit her <laughs> <laughs> it's like imagine jamie saying like i did not hit her it is not true it is bullshit i did not hit her i did not i did not 
Oh, hi, me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're so dumb. Yep. Why does anybody watch us? Uh, because we're great. Because we're great, obviously. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> and last up on the news, obviously, Star Wars is out. Uh, you've seen it. I have. I have not. I'm going to see it with my brother on Christmas, and then we're going to do a review. Now, to those of you out there saying, now, Chris, you motherfucker, this is a comic book podcast. You should not be doing a review of Star Wars. It wasn't a comic book originally. Motherfucker, you know how many times I have to read your goofy fucking nerd titles on the new releases every week? If I have to read 18 Star Wars books every week, then I get to review the Star Wars movie, okay? That's the deal. That's fair, okay? So look forward to that eventually uh, after Christmas. Yeah, to uh, break that down a little bit, long story short, they didn't start out at comics, but they have comics now! <laughs> and a lot of them. Yeah! As you saw, the 10th best-selling comic was Marvel's Star Wars. Y- yeah! So, with that, we do what we want. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there seems to be... I haven't, I d- I've avoided it at all costs because I don't want anything being spoiled for me. I'm not, like, the hugest Star Wars fan, but I do like it a lot, you know? Um, but it seems like... Some fans are really upset with how they handled it, and some fans really like it, and some fans are like, I don't know what the issue is. Where do you fall on this? Another one. (laughs) (laughs) This is my response to watching this one. Like uh, Someone posted to uh, DJ Khaled on Twitter, Hey, DJ Khaled, uh, what do you think of of your new album that you just released? His response, another one. (laughs) As in, you know, at the end of the day, if you're into him and you like, you've already bought into like what he does, you're going to keep buying into it. (laughs) If you're a Star Wars fan, you're going to keep watching Star Wars. (laughs) And I'm going to say, like, this is like the only thing to tell you any of how this goes down it's a star wars movie <laughs> it, to some extent you kind of already know what's gonna happen so space opera lightsaber battles wizard magic y- yeah they, these are i would say intergalactic space wizards but they're only in the one galaxy <laughs> cut that Fix it in post. Hit the tongue twisters. <laughs> <laughs> um, I might keep it now. <laughs> Just so I can replay that. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, it's another Star Wars movie. It's like, good, bad. You see the, those two sides fight. That's it. <laughs> you, you can talk about the intricacies all you want, but... At the end of the day, it's it's another Star Wars movie. Which means it's probably going to be good. It's going to be good. I would expect. Th- there's going to be some things that you might take issue with. Like from the uh, prequel trilogy, everything having to do with Anakin Skywalker. Uh, from the original trilogy, trying not to cringe every time you see Leia kissing Luke. Um <laughs> With this one, it's uh, 
hoping that they don't screw things up. <laughs> yeah. my I have one tiny fear. And again, I'm not the huge Star Wars fan, which is why I make fun of you nerds every time I read your books. <laughs> <laughs> but um, oh. Oh, I, I hated the third original movie. I think it was Return of the Jedi, if I'm yeah. not wrong. Um, because of the whole Ewok thing. <laughs> the Ewoks defeating the Imperial Army and just like with logs and sticks, you know, it's just like mini teddy bears running around the woods killing all these elite soldiers and stuff. It's so stupid to me. <laughs> I hated it. I hate it. And it was only done for toys. It's explicitly done for toys. Oh, of and course. It's, it's basically the whole second half of the movie revolves around these Ewoks, whether you want them to or not. You know? <laughs> Even the end scene when they're at the party celebrating, it's at it's the fucking <laughs> Ewok camp. He's celebrating with all these fucking teddy bear things. Just oh, stupid. And you, I, you're gonna love porgs. Well, that's what I I saw the <laughs> stupid porg thing in the advertisement. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Porg <laughs> is a porg. Like, how do you know that? Like, <laughs> I've never fucking seen these things before. What the fuck is a porg? <laughs> and I I have a, a very strong fear that this is gonna be another toy grab, and it's gonna oh. ruin a significant por- portion of the movie. Hopefully, it's completely unfounded. It's like a one little thing that's just in it, and it's like fine. But I feel like that's gonna be what porgs are fun fact i actually completely forget whether or not the name of that species is ever actually mentioned in the movie really <laughs> so it's just in the marketing hey this is a porg buy it <laughs> oh you buy, buy the you, toy you like the little cute thing here's a plushie yeah buy that shit <laughs> thank here's you a funko Star pop Wars. here's a here's a porg funko pop buy 600 of them so we'll see <laughs> Look forward to that review. It'll be after the after Christmas. I don't know if it'll be before New Year's. Hopefully, we can get it out that quick, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure we'll want to discuss it. And that, my friends, is the news for this week. All right, so we come to this time again where I get to ask you the age-old question. Chris, what books are we hitting up this week? Every, I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> <laughs> first up on our weekly release list remember we always get these from freshcomics.us they're a great resource if you want to see what's just come out what came out last week what's coming out next week uh definitely check them out there's a link to them on our website www.htbvids.com and there's a big button that leads you to the new releases and it goes straight to freshcomics.us so uh, definitely use that resource if you're interested. Um, first up from Marvel Comics. There's a lot, before I start, there's a lot of great covers this week. And we had a hard time choosing the cover and variant covers of the week. Yeah. Because there are, there's a lot of releases and there's a lot of good looking covers. Yeah, so, this this particular week is very stacked. Just want to say that before we get into it. Because this is going to take a second or two. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also going to be worth it to look at some of these covers. Because yeah. not all of them could win the prestigious Nay Life-Changing Award. Yeah, so strap yourselves in. From Marvel Comics, we have America, number 10. We have Champions, number 15. We have Deadpool versus Old Man Logan, number 3. Boy, does this cover, like, give me the heebie-jeebies a little bit. <laughs> um, we have Doctor Strange, number 383. We have Generation X, number 85. We have Guardians of the Galaxy, number 149. 
We have Luke Cage, number 168. We have Marvel, 2-in-1, number 1. We have Monsters Unleashed, number 9. We have Miss Marvel, number 25. We have Old Man Logan, number 32. Pretty cool cover. Um, we have Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, number 298. We have Powers, number 9. Now, I don't know if this is a Marvel comic or if it's just listed this way, but... Yeah, the, the, the big contention that I have with that is that uh, it is... Powers is a Bendis title. Yeah. Whether or not that's... Uh, Maybe it just got listed that way because of it. I Probably. Don't I don't know. Maybe I'm just, like, completely ignorant, and I don't... <laughs> I always thought Powers was a totally different company, but... Uh, interesting. It's yeah. listed there. Uh, next up, we have Spider-Gwen, number 27. Cool cover, but I feel like if I look at it too long, it's going to give me, like, an epileptic seizure or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, it, very... It, that's a light show. It's, in it's your face. weird. Yeah. And uh, next up, one of you fucking nerd titles, <laughs> Star Wars Dr. <Doctor laughs> Aphra, number 15. Now, spoiler alert, this comic uh, did not win cover of the week, but it's a really, really solid, really, really good cover. And I was very tempted to give this nerd comic <laughs> the cover of the week because it is really good. It's really good artwork, and it looks great. Despite um, its horrendous title. I feel like it should be a, a movie cover itself, even if the Afra or a it's probably pronounced something stupid like apra with an emphasis on the h oh my god apra. i, don't I know. swear to god it somebody tell be. me how to pronounce it so i can make fun of you more <laughs> <laughs> just kidding <laughs> uh next up we have star wars poe dameron number 22 oh but star wars isn't from a comic book you can't review that fuck you i have to read <laughs> these stupid things every week <laughs> yeah pot Meet Kettle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have Tales of Suspense, number 100. Pretty interesting. And also kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, the Defenders, number 8. The Incredible Hulk, number 711. Get me a Slurpee. <laughs> we have The Mighty Thor, number 702. Cool looking cover. Not sure I like what's going on in the picture, though. Uncanny Avengers, number 30. Another great cover. Uh, Venom, number 159. We have X-Men Gold, number 18. Another cool, if not kind of saucy cover. <laughs> <laughs> For all you Nightcrawler fans out there. Yeah, in the bondage. <laughs> Nightcrawler is. Uh, and then X-Men Grand Design, number one. From DC Comics, we have Aquaman, number 31. Now, the regular cover, very cool looking. Did not win the competition this week. Another really cool cover. But the variant cover for this Aquaman book, I hate you. <laughs> I I got to look at who you are. So, oh, my so God. So I can call you out. Do you want Aquaman to be lame again? Because <laughs> this is how you make Aquaman lame again. <laughs> this variant cover by Joshua Middleton. He has Aquaman holding on to a dolphin <laughs> as it pulls him across the top of the water. It's like Do you want Aquaman to be lame again? <laughs> this is how you make Aquaman lame again. Do not return to the pre-New 52 nonsense that was going on with Aquaman. It, yeah, this is the type of thing that 
like when I saw it, I immediately thought of like Baywatch, but in like a, I will never take this seriously type of way. <laughs> it's like it, it, this some like big bearded asshole <laughs> trying to look way too majestic, holding on to mounting the fin- a dolphin. <laughs> I don't, and I also don't appreciate you combining a great classic game, Echo. <laughs> with the worst game of all time in Aquaman. Oh. All right. All right. Oh, I forgot about that. All right. <laughs> all right. Aquaman had a game. Aquaman should not be molesting Echo the Dolphin right now. Okay? Oh. You hear me, DC? <laughs> yeah, you quit it. This Middleton guy, you better keep him off your books <laughs> <laughs> with anything that has to do with Aquaman. Rain him in. Like, put him on something else. My God. <laughs> not allowed to touch Aquaman again after this. Next up, we have Batman number 37, couple's date. We have Batman Cross Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number two. Number two. <laughs> That's the second one. Um, Volume two, issue two. We have Batwoman number 10 uh, with another cool cover. We have Bombshells United number eight. We have Dark Knight's Metal number four. We have... Uh, Future Quest Showcase, number five. Space Coast, Coast, Coast. Hey! We need a Brack book. (laughs) Come on, do it. We have Green Lanterns, number 37. We have Harley Quinn, number 33. We have Injustice 2, number 16. We have Justice League, number 35. We have... I gotta say something. These Justice League covers recently have been really bad. (laughs) Like, really bad. I don't know what's going on, but they're just awful. Um, yeah, that's not a, what you expect from one of your flagship titles. Yeah, uh, especially a team book like that. I don't know. Injustice League is just not getting any love right now. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Mad Magazine number five forty nine. We have Nightwing number thirty five. We have Super Sons number eleven. We have. Superman, number 37. We have Teen Titans Go, number 25. We have Wildstorm, excuse me, The Wildstorm, number 10. Read this book, because <laughs> Grifter's awesome. <laughs> if uh, for that character alone. I love Grifter. He's so cool. Uh, we have Trinity, number 16, which has a pretty decent cover and a really cool variant cover. Um, we have Wonder Woman, Cross Conan, number 4, and that wraps up DC Comics. From IDW, we have 30 Days of Night, number one, which has a cool cover. Uh, We have Assassinistas, number one. We have Haunted Horror, number 31. We have Optimus Prime, number 14. Orphan Black, Deviations, number six. We have Rom and the Micronauts, number one. We have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number 17. We have the comic book history of comics. Comics for all. Number one. Comics. <laughs> Could be interesting. We have the Powerpuff Girls, the Bureau of Bad, number two. And somehow I feel like that's what Jesse Eisenberg's uh, <laughs> group is going to be called. 
Pachats. <laughs> <laughs> From Dynamite Entertainment, we have Betty Page number six, because we always need 600 Betty Page variants. We have Centipede number five. We have we have The Shadow number five. The Shadow knows. We have Vampirella number nine, because we need 600 Vampirella variants. Of course. And that wraps up Dynamite. From Image Comics, keep doing what you're doing. We love you. Oh, yeah. We have Angelic, number four. We have Copperhead, number 17. We have Dark Fang, number two. I'm going to be picking it up. We read the first issue. I think we're both like yeah. good and bad on it. Y- I yeah. think I liked it a little bit more than you. But yeah, this, this like cover th- looks really cool. And you know, I'm interested in what they're going to try to do with that premise. Yeah, the second issue, I think, will tell me specifically whether or not to keep going. Sure. Uh, we have Evolution, number two. We have Genius Cartel, number five. We have Horizon, number seven. We have Invincible, number 143. Great book. We have Redlands with a saucy cover, number five. We have Spread, number 24. Ironically coming after the saucy cover. (laughs) (laughs) Not intended. (laughs) We have The Family Trade, number three. We have The Realm, number four. And we have The Hard Place, number five. From Boom Studios, we have Adventure Time Comics, number 18. We have Big Trouble in Little China, Old Man Jack, number four. We have Fence, number two. We have Kong on the Planet of the Apes, number two. We have Lazaretto, number four. We have Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, number 22. We have The Storyteller. Fairies, number one. And that wraps up Boom Studios. From Titan Books, we have Dr. Radar, number two. We have The Beautiful Death, number four, which has consistently had kind of interesting covers. I might have to pick that up. We also have The Wonderful World of Tank Girl, number two. And that wraps up Titan Books. From, from Dark Horse Comics. We have Angel, Season 11, number 12. We have Bank Shot, number 5. We have Empowered and Sista Spookies High School Hell, number 1. Yes, spelled S-I-S-T-A-H, Sista Spooky. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> we have Hellboy, Krampushunkt, number 1. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but it sounded pretty legit. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go with that. And this one has a super cool cover. Um, Again, such a strong week for covers. This one did not win, but it was deserving. So yeah, if you're listening to this and you know the artist, please give him our thanks or her because these are great, great covers this week. This this is, again, Christmas coming early for us. (laughs) We have Joe Golem. Occult Detective, Flesh and Blood, number one. We have Sherlock Frankenstein and the Legion of Evil, number three. And finally, we have Tomb Raider, Survivor's Crusade, number two. From Valiant, we have Ninjak. (laughs) We have Ninjak, number two. We have Quantum and Woody, number one. And that wraps up Valiant. 
from Lion Forge Comics. We have Catalyst Prime XL, number two. We have Summit, number one. We have Wrapped Up, number three. And that wraps up Lion Forge. From Archie Comics, we have Riverdale Digest, number five. From Aftershock Comics, we have Dark Ark, number four, and Unholy Grail, number five. From Scout Comics, we have Infernoct, number three. From Vault Comics, like I said, Reactor, number two. <laughs> a little out of order. Only a little. Last week was number three, and we <laughs> gave it our cover of the week. <coughs> And this cover is, again, very cool looking. Yeah. No idea if the book's good, because the release is just weird. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully Unless they figure that out. Individual books, and one got delayed or something. I don't know. Um, from Oni Press, we have Made Men number four. And that is everything coming to your local comic book shops. Please support your local comic book shops. And digital devices this week. Now it's time to hand out the prestigious, life-changing award of cover and variant cover of the week. Like I said, there's been a ton of great covers this week. This is a hard decision. Because we've had some weeks that were just awful. (laughs) (laughs) Or at the very least, just disappointing. This week, we had so many great candidates, and we could only choose two. Yeah, and it's like going through a dry spell and then getting a flood the next day. (laughs) Yeah. For our cover of the week, we gave it to Marvel's Tales of Suspense, number 100. The cover drawn by Marco Cicchetto. I hope hope that's right. C-H-E-C-C-H-E-T-T-O. Cicchetto. Sounds um, legit. This book just had an awesome all-around feel to it. It kind of feels like uh, like the kind of catch-me-if-you-can sort of style to it almost. Yeah. And then you mix that with some really good character art where the individual characters pop out really strong and look really good. Now, the picture we're seeing is without the Marvel logo and stuff on the top and the title over the top. I'm sure with the title and all that stuff, it's going to look a little less cool, but it looks great. It's really eye-popping. You have Hawkeye, you have uh, Black Widow, and you have Winter Soldier on here making up the cover. So it's probably going to be some kind of espionage book or something, you know. Um, Which we need with these characters. And for a book like Tales of Suspense, you would probably want some kind of intense oh yeah uh espionage going on so this it, it just looks like a great cover it looks really cool and i think uh marco here did a great job um little marco <laughs> <laughs> oh no don't bring him here <laughs> marco Cicchetto. um you did a great job and uh i hope to see more from you hope uh yeah more awards on the show because it is as i said life-changing oh yes (laughs) (laughs) next up our variant cover of the week goes to dc's batman number 37 variant cover by olivier copel now this one is another just great cover uh it features batman and catwoman in a kind of uh kind of classic look it has the kind of old style uh 
Catwoman suit, and by old I mean like nineties, yeah, nineties into early two thousands Catwoman suit, and then Batman is really the old style with the underwear on the outside and the gray suit and the kind of short cape. Um, it's a very classic look we're going yeah. with. The- and it's it's from a an interesting perspective where you're down below them and they're both looking down at you from different positions. And, yeah. um, you know, from a technical standpoint, the perspective is very impressive. But other than that, there isn't something that's like really super impressive um, from a very technical standpoint. But the interesting play with the colors where this kind of like a sepia tone almost in the background, you know, kind of a tan tone. Yeah. And. <laughs> I got to admit, I am a sucker for this new redesign, man. It really <laughs> does. Like uh, being able, just the simple addition of them being able to change the color of the little <laughs> logo in the corner makes it so much better. Yeah. Um, it gives a very dynamic feel for this. Yeah. And he, he, they're able to match the font of the print, and it, it looks great. DC, I lo- Jeff Johns, I, I give you a lot of crap for what how much you hate Dick Grayson, but <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Johns, uh, Dan Didio over there, you guys are doing a great job with this redesign, and I love how it looks. And oh, it, yeah. It helped sell this variant cover to me even more so. So, it, Just uh, another suggestion. Take a page from Image and put the barcode on the back. That's all you need. The They've second already, you do that. They already did it with several books. I don't understand why they don't do it with all the books. Right. There's no reason to put... Now you're just pissing off the comic shops. Because <laughs> right. now they don't it's know like if it's on which, the front or the back. It's like, wait, where do I scan this yeah. thing? If they just put them all on the back yeah, so the just, art can shine, you know, there's no need to have the barcode on the front. Yeah, just make it a uniform decision. This is where we're going to put things. Yeah. Uh, Doomsday Clock, for example. Put it on the back. Yeah. I believe Mr. Miracle. Put it on the back. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, I don't know. I just—that's the one teeny tiny like gripe. And if I have to yeah. live with the the shrunken barcode, so be it. But I feel like you can do your artist a solid and put it on the back. That that would be the one thing that would just like push it over the edge and just make them just that much better. So uh, once again, shout out to uh, Marvel's Tales of S- Suspense number one hundred, cover by Marco Cicchetto. And DC's Batman number 37 variant cover by Olivier Coipel. Um, both were great, outstanding books uh, and a sea of great covers and artwork this week. So yeah. really, guys, great job. Uh, I hope to see you again on here. And that those who didn't win, maybe take a cue or two from the ones that we picked. Because you're losers. <laughs> <laughs> if you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> Shake and bake. <laughs> that just happened. <laughs> um, but uh, in all honesty, the other there were so many other great covers. And like, yeah. the difference between quality was like marginal at best. And I'm sure if I went over it for another hour, I, I might choose something else. You know, right. it really was an extremely strong week. And I, I shouted out most of them when I was going through the list. So great job from all the comic companies this week. There's a ton of great covers. Yeah. Again, when it came to covers, Christmas came early. <laughs> <laughs> And for our new friends out there, this is the part of the show where we each discuss a topic of our choosing about the world of comic books. Emery, what is your topic? My topic for tonight is going to be very timely. It's almost Christmas time, guys. <gasps> oh, man. 
we're going to be talking about the things that you could be getting for that comic book fan in your life. So, Emery, what would you recommend? Well, it kind of depends on the comic book fan. There are plenty of things out there, like figurines. Some of them poseable, some of them not. If you're a fucking nerd. <laughs> Said the fucking nerd. <laughs> uh, <they're... laughs> yeah, that's right. That's what you get. Doyle rules! <laughs> Uh, there's uh, figurines. There are comics, of course. Mm-hmm. There are uh, any number of things. Like if your comic book nerd is also a Star Wars fan and they, for some reason, don't have a lightsaber, <laughs> you can buy them a lightsaber. Uh, if they're be prepared com- to be hit with it several uh, times. Oh, yes, for sure. Uh, especially th- with kids. <laughs> especially with kids. Um, there's also pro tip: get one that doesn't have the sound effect, because that's going to be in your nightmares <laughs> for about a year. Uh, y- yeah, he's not kidding. <laughs> I, I don't understand why any parent <laughs> buys their kid a toy that makes noise ever to strangely shut them up, only to realize that. It's not it gets the, worse. It, it, it's not the child's voice that they have to deal with now. It's the child's toy that they paid for. <laughs> the little blasters that make noise. And, oh. oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't go away. Yeah. And then th- it gets stuck in the toy box or something eventually. <laughs> and something adjusts or falls on the trigger or something. And all you hear is... <laughs> You can't find the damn toy. It won't <laughs> shut up. Oh, <laughs> <sighs> uh, yeah, it's bad. It's so bad. Yeah. Um, the other thing that you can get them is maybe a video game based on the comics or comic book character in question. Yeah. Uh, there's also, if you know you're you're feeling super generous, there are the busts if you will <laughs> i mean there there are very finely sculpted busts of characters like wolverine bob bob <laughs> wonder woman wonder woman oh yeah um there's a plethora of things out there i'm personally offended that you had to discuss Wonder Woman's bust on our show. <laughs> yeah, points off. The uh, <laughs> the the feminist community is really going to come after me for this one. Yep. yep. You earned it. Yep. Yep. You brought that upon yourself. Uh, y- well, you know, as we said before, we do what we want. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Um, yeah, yeah, it's like, if you can think of something that, especially, uh, another thing, uh, if they're into collecting those glorified drink coasters, you can buy them a DVD. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised DVDs are still as prolific out there as they are. I understand (laughs) that Blu-rays are slightly more expensive and the quality isn't always that much better, 
but <laughs> it, it's like the it just, Blu-rays have taken over. It's like if cassette tapes were still just lingering around, you know, like, it, who's still buying these? Yeah, it, uh, it's, it's kind of silly at this point. Uh, just to give some specific examples, um, if you have p- people that are super into reading the comics or maybe just don't, they like comics, but they don't have the time to actually like participate <laughs> in the kind of culture where they're constantly trying to keep up with single issues and stuff, yeah. maybe look out for some uh, compendiums. Yeah. There's a lot of really good compendiums. Basically, it's just a huge collection of books, usually like 50 issues in one book. Um, there's the Walking Dead ones, which I think are the most popular out there. I see those all the time. Yeah. They usually call those uh, omnibuses. Yeah, they can also be referred to as omnibuses. Omnibuses usually include the whole series, though. Right. Uh, compendiums are usually like chapters, like significant portions. Oh, yeah. Um, there's the Walking Dead one. There's um, uh, what's the? Uh, there's a few other really big ones out right now. Uh, I think the fourth Walking Dead one should be coming out before too long, if it hasn't already. Um, just not hitting me in the head right now, but um, th- there's several compendiums you can get, which are really good uh, values. They're you know, they're a little expensive, yeah. but it, it, <laughs> taking into account that this is probably the equivalent of fifty, sixty, seventy, you know, three to five dollar issues. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's a significant discount for the amount of content you're getting now. Of course, it's not necessarily going to retain or at least advance in value like a single issue might, but it will eventually be worth a little bit more than what it its face value is. And you see that all the time. People buy back compendiums and omnibuses and you know large collections. You can also go out and collect uh, a, a handful of volumes, especially if you want to get them a more recent one. Because volumes typically are 6 to 12 issues of said comic. So if you want to get this year's run of some comic for your friend who's a fan of a specific character, you can get volume one and two and give it to them for Christmas and stuff. So definitely look out for those. I mean, there's obviously a ton of those, you know, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, you know, for Marvel, you got the X-Men gold, X-Men blue. I'm sure the first volumes are out for those and just several other ones. Um, Another thing you can look out for if you have kids, there's a ton of animated movies that are constantly released oh, uh, on yeah. Blu-ray. So get Blu-ray. Don't get DVD. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who, who uses DVDs anymore? Yeah. Uh, it, it's about to be 2018, people. Get Blu-ray. Get a Blu-ray. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I'd i say get some uh, Blu-rays of these animated features. Uh, just double check because I know a few of them, usually the DC ones, but sometimes some of the Marvel ones, some of them can be a little mature. You know, it's never like gratuitous, but, you know, there, yeah, is, yeah. there is a like even the most recent Bruce Tim one with Harley Quinn and Batman and Nightwing. There's a sexual encounter that, you know, I don't think I don't remember seeing nudity or anything, but it's suggested heavily. And if your kid you don't feel comfortable with that, you probably shouldn't get them the Bruce Tim. Uh, yeah, that that's one thing to take into account. Always check the uh, the rating on these uh, animated features because uh, some of them n- not going to be kid-friendly. Yeah, some of them have a little bit of gore. Uh, like I said, it's never like super gratuitous or something from my experience. I mean, I, there's a handful of Marvel ones that I can remember that were a little gratuitous because of Wolverine. 
yeah, uh, basically clawing the shit out of people. But uh, <laughs> other than that, uh, most of them are pretty safe for, say, older child to teenager, somewhere around there. Um, and you can usually tell by the cover. If the cover looks super cartoony, it's probably more safe, <laughs> you know, yeah. from a comic book world or something like that, you know. So those are definitely great options. Video games, um, you could get uh, the – if you're – friend or family member or whatever has played uh the first season of the telltale batman series yeah maybe get them the second one that came out this year um you could also get um you know the first one if you like or the guardians of the galaxy telltale series those are always good and you can even kind of have fun with them you know it can be like a family event or a girlfriend boyfriend event or whatever whatever you choose and you can you know sit side by side and make the choices together and play through it together. You know. Yeah. Walking Dead has its own Telltale thing. Yeah. As well as the uh, Wolf the Among Us. Three. Yep. Three seasons of uh, Walking Dead. One season of Wolf Among Us. I think the second one's on the way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's there's tons of great video games that are not only you know cool and interesting and fun from a narrative standpoint, but also you know kind of fun if you have somebody doing it with you and helping you out. And then if you like fighting games, obviously Injustice Two. Oh yeah. Uh, Injustice 2 being the big one. Marvel vs. Capcom, uh, the new ones on its way. Uh, I, I will never be able to suggest <laughs> that one. <laughs> um, that one hurt me. So there's a lot of big titles out there. Uh, action figures, unfortunately, I feel like action figures don't really sell much anymore. Or if they do, they're like the giant, like, yeah. Semi-life-size one. They are kind of a one. thing of the past nowadays, unfortunately. It's a little bit more about like the posable statues and like the mini figurines and Lego characters. Of course, if yeah. you have kids, you know, Legos are always available. But again, it's another parental thing you'll have to worry about stepping on them or you know cleaning them up or finding them in every crevice of your apartment <laughs> or house or car. <laughs> you know, for those of you who don't want to deal with a Lego mess. Lego also has their own video games. <laughs> yeah. Uh, specifically, in our case, uh, Lego DC Superheroes mm -hmm. and Lego Marvel Heroes. Mm -hmm. And then there's Lego Batman 1 through 3. You yeah. Know, if you want to be cheaper and get like the old stuff and, you know, Marvel, uni or not Marvel, but uh, Lego Universe or whatever it's called. Yeah. I forget. I don't really play them, but I know there's a game that has a ton of different universes, including like some of the superheroes. So, always look out for those. Those things are always available. Um, clothes, I it seems weird, <laughs> but some of the best like superhero shirts and stuff I found were actually at Walmart. <laughs> but you know, who goes to Walmart anymore? But right. Um, it's surprisingly they had some really cool designs. I think I actually think I got this one there. I might be wrong, but I think I got this Flash shirt there, and um. You get them for like nine bucks, eight bucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you want some apparel, there's you can always go to Walmart. I think Target has some, but I think Target's shirts are really thin. And I, I've had bad experiences in the past with Target's shirts. Um, yeah. And then you can always go to the more expensive, you know, JCPenney or, you know, Macy's or whatever. And I'm sure they have something somewhere. But generally, you know, for stuff like this, you don't want spend a ton of money and something super expensive you know this oh yeah this fits great feels great looks good i like it i don't know and it cost me nine bucks <laughs> <laughs> so uh definitely a lot of stuff out there in apparel there's never a shortage of superhero merchandise of course uh comic merchandise 
Um, some other things you could maybe invest, like gift a Netflix subscription to somebody for a year or something, you know? Yeah, so um, they can catch up on all that beautiful Marvel footage. You can gift them a Comixology Unlimited app subscription. Yeah. And then they, you know, it doesn't give you access to everything because a lot of the new stuff isn't on there, but it gives you a huge access to like a ton of backlog stuff, which I've been using to read Lock and Key and I talk about all the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is a great series. Um I don't know. There's any number of things out there. I just, <laughs> it's hard to choose just a few. Yeah. Yeah. And fortunately, it's Christmas. So uh, if you're feeling especially generous, maybe get, get them a couple different things, you know, uh, spread it out a little bit. Like, you know, Batman shark repellent. <laughs> I think they have that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, this was uh, the type of thing that I remember growing up as like, ooh, ooh, am I going to get a figurine this time? Like back in the 90s. Yeah. Um, or, ooh, ooh, am I going to get like the latest uh, Marvel-related video game or like the, the newest Batman video game because um, any video game outside of Batman for DC, eh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's... There's a gr- lot of g- good stuff out there. Uh, you could even go back to like the Arkham series, get the yes. Arkham games for somebody who hasn't played them. Yeah, um, I- including you... the uh, was was the Christmas one uh, that was not Arkham Origins. Arkham Origins. It wasn't yeah. proper con- continuity, but it was still really good, really solid. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, there's there's so many options out there. You can always get the old movies, update them to Blu-ray if they got VHSs. Yeah. <laughs> um, 89 Batman, I'm looking at you. And if they don't have a Blu-ray player or a game system that has a Blu-ray player in it, buy them one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Bring it into the 21st century. I know everybody yeah. uses SD cards and streaming and pirates everything now, but it's nice to have like your favorite things like on Blu-ray. Right, and you know, maybe want to peruse through some of the special features. Yeah, see, I have a weird Christmas mantra where it's like progression. Where as a really young kid, you know, I wanted like the superhero action figures and maybe cards if they could get them or whatever, uh, like those Marvel cards. Uh, I had a, f- a handful of Batman figures that I really loved, and the one thing you can say about Schumacher's movies is they made great toys. Yeah, they did. <laughs> because they were very stylistic, and they had a lot of gadgets and a lot of different outfits. I'm not going to lie. Although the movies were awful, but I had just about every variation of those outfits and action figures. I played those video games. Oh, no. Oh, Emery. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know any better. Yeah. It was a different time back then. Yeah, I didn't play too many video games until I got to around like age, you know, like 10, 11, 12, somewhere around there. Right yeah. around the time Halo got big. That's around the time that I started really getting into stuff and playing like the PlayStation Final Fantasies and stuff. And then I kind of went back. Like I I had had like the old systems, but like they just didn't really hold my interest very long. Yeah. You know, I had the original Nintendo and we had a Atari 2600 and uh, like a Sega Genesis and stuff like that, but they just didn't hold my interest yeah. until I got older. Uh, veritably slumming it back then. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I did like 
put a huge emphasis on my action figures and you know playing around with them or looking at the art on the cards and like trying to draw myself and stuff like that you know yeah and then as a teenager it went almost strictly exclusively video games just always <laughs> wanted a video game and that's what i got and i got like two video games a year because video games are fucking expensive <laughs> and like yeah. that's what i got and i was happy with it oh yeah and then when i got older you know it, it kind of reversed a little bit where people started getting me like comic book t-shirts and you know <laughs> comic book mugs and you know stuff like that because they knew you know i love that stuff which is great you know <laughs> but uh yeah it's a little weird my the, christmas the the weird progression there. how and it, like whereas, what you got for christmas tended to change yeah and whereas before i kind of more you know i would get if i got a gift for somebody i would get them something that i thought they would like you know as a kid you just get whatever shiny object or candle or whatever the yeah. case calls for you know uh or cheap dollar store tour whatever you can afford as a child <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you get them for people and then when i got older i would like just try to get whatever they asked for you know and now as an adult, I kind of try to spread like what I really enjoy and that I think they'll like. So I get like a volume or something, oh, or a few volumes yeah. of a comic I think they'll like, and so I get them that. So um, it changes with from person to person. I don't do this for everybody, you know. But, right. Uh, it's kind of weird how both sides of the coin have kind of evolved for me. I don't know. <laughs> how about you? Uh well, for me, it started with action figures, of course. Yeah. Uh, it then progressed to video games and comics, uh, just more comics as time went on. Uh, it then, actually, I don't remember anyone actually getting me, well, no, I take that back. There would be, like, times here and there when I'd get, like, a shirt or two that was <laughs> comic-related. Yeah. Um, uh, I think as time went on, I think I started to get myself more of those things, and I would be the ones trying to gift people things that I was interested in that I thought <laughs> they might like. Yeah, It's like, oh, yeah, it's like this thing that I keep t talking to you about. Here's here, here's a volume. Because I know your lazy ass ain't going to pick it up. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that that would be the kind of thing that I'd do. Um <laughs> But yeah, I, I think uh, there has been sort of a progression where I'm less the person less the person receiving these things and more the person like giving them out. Yeah, trying to spread spread the joy. Oh yeah, Tease yeah. The season. <laughs> Happy holidays. Yeah. Merry that, Christmas. Uh, Happy Hanukkah. I think it's still going. It's uh, how many crazy Jewish, nights I know did these they get? Things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Kwanzaa if anybody still tries to do that. <laughs> I feel like that lasted like 20 years and then disappeared. And then Festivus for the rest of us. Uh, of course. Got a lot of problems with you people. <laughs> Time for the airing of grievances. <laughs> oh, Seinfeld. I miss you. Um, but, but Can you think of any other big holiday items you might want to get somebody um i mean obviously here, there's the big blu-rays for all the releases that have come out i think logan's out on blu-ray right now i think deadpool's out on blu-ray wonder woman um bbs the extended edition <laughs> if you need to waste three hours <laughs> um, uh, uh that's all i could think of well emory 
That brings up my topic. Yeah. Santa has decided you were a very good boy. Hey. And has decided to give you the gift you dreamed of. <gasps> a comic book movie made by the people, the studio, and the actors you have always wanted. What director, what studio, and what actors are you using to make what comic book film? Oh, my God. It's funny you bring this up. I actually saw a video uh, just recently about the release details for the budget for the Gambit movie. And? <laughs> it's three times more expensive than what it costs to make Deadpool. Ooh. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know how. I don't know why. $155 million. It's all going into Channing Tatum's eyes. I was going to say his cocaine stash, but, you know, <laughs> that's whatever. Um, if it were me. This isn't WB, okay. <laughs> whoa, whoa. 300 whoa. million? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, man. <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> you almost damaged my pinky nail. <laughs> uh, y yeah, your pinky nail. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, if it were me, specifically for that movie that I've always wanted to be released, uh, I would have. Let's start. Let's talk about the director first. And I would say uh, Steven Soderbergh. Specifically because of his experience with, uh, most recently, Logan Lucky, which was referred to as Ocean 7-Eleven. <laughs> but also his experience with the Ocean Trilogy. <laughs> this guy knows a heist movie. <laughs> which is exactly what the Gambit movie needs to be. And from what I've heard, that's what it's going to be. I don't know who's directing it, but I wish them the best of luck. So what characters would you like to see in your Gambit movie? And who would you like to act? Uh, well, Mr. Sinister, played by Daniel Day-Lewis. I could say it. N yeah. He's got the head shape for it. Yeah, he does. Put a big old diamond on that head. <laughs> we don't need that weird little, you know, cape thing that looks like it's been torn to shreds. <laughs> yeah, the, the little, like, the little racks. spindly yeah. things. Yeah, which I, I'm not sure, but Hawk and Dove kind of look like they were sporting those. Yeah. I don't <laughs> know which one came first, but yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> they both have them, and they uh, look just as silly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis for that role. Uh, for the title character, I'm fine with Channing Tatum doing it. Really? I am because... Wow. Because if that is an unexpected development. Now, mind you, that's because if the movie fails, then I never have to worry about hearing him wanting to do it again. <laughs> 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 and someone else can do it. And also, Fox has been bought by Marvel. 
uh, Disney specifically. Uh, we'll so, see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, they they still got like a year and a half to run their course. Yeah. Uh, but Channing Tatum let him finally do it so he can shut up about it. Uh, I'd want to see uh, his, char- his character's father, Jean-Luc Lebeau, show up because this is an origin story-ish. Um, I'd rather see Jean-Luc Picard. I don't know whether to throw a card at you <laughs> or to throw a baguette. <laughs> or to throw the starship fucking Enterprise. <laughs> there, there's not enough. Uh, there's Set not enough French to go along for intercourse. <laughs> Mister LaForge, take us to warp two. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, to play his father. Ish, uh, I would have. I want to say Viggo Mortensen. Wow, bring him out. Yeah. He's been in the movie for a while, I don't think. Yeah, not in anything big. Yeah. Yeah. That'd I, be I, interesting. I, I'd pull him out for that. Um, For his future ex-wife, his future ex-wife, uh, Bella Donna, uh, I would... Uh, who would I use? I want to say... I'm not sure if she's still attached, but uh, there's this, uh, but whoever that girl is. We'll post a picture here. Yeah. Uh, Whoever that girl is, I would have her play that role. And I think those are all the the major characters mentioned. So would you have Rogue? Or are you just going to skip over Rogue? Rogue is for movie number two, Ooh. or potentially his uh, debut movie for like when he finally joins the team. Okay. okay, if if they ever have him join the team, because uh, he actually works very well by himself. Like he he's basically uh, Danny Ocean without any of the attachments. <laughs> basically, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that that would be my whole thing. My only stipulation is that they go the Deadpool route and give him as close to a comic book accurate costume as possible. I don't give a goddamn what people think about his color scheme. I don't know about the pink shirt. <laughs> the big pink, pink armored padded whatever. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I, I think if you I think you could probably get away with the face mask thing, but the face mask thing, sure. But if anyone's gonna pull off that thing and make it go from looking ridiculous to looking uh, any kind of sexy, which is what Gambit needs to be. Are we doing be, the silver boots too? We could do shin guards. <laughs> 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 it doesn't have to be like a whole like. Above the knee to like below the soul type deal, all like right, it, it could right. it could be an attachment <laughs> to his like actual boots that he would be wearing. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, there there is a way that that character like thematically in the comic book was like sectioned off design wise and color wise that just 
it worked. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I want that back. And, and not just that. I want it updated well enough to where it's like to where we can explain it to where it makes sense. Now here's the real question. Would you want it would you want him to have the black eyes with the purple uh pupils like in the comics or would you want him to have normal eyes? Technically in the comics it was black on red. And yes, I would do that. <laughs> See, that's I think it would be cool if he was in a support role, but for a lead role, I feel like that might be a little too far. I don't know. Oh, there are things that you... Do you think it would work? If there were, like, really obvious contacts or CG, whichever one they'd have to do? Well, the thing is, if you've ever looked at Channing Tatum straight in his face, he doesn't open his eyes very much. And it's like the, the whites of his eyes, you could pretty easily, like digital out like the white sure yeah i can see that um like have it like the red for the uh the color of his eyes uh that some could find it a little jarring but you you gotta own it (laughs) (laughs) that's the thing with him maybe like it's like make it muted like yeah, a really dark yeah, red it, that's not super obvious. Yeah, don't make it glow <laughs> unless it's for like Oh, it's glowing. <laughs> <laughs> like if we it, hired Warner Bros. CG crew. <laughs> oh no. No. Okay, the eyes should glow for certain occasions. Specifically when he's ready to go into action. Yeah. Or when he's especially pissed. Second question. Is he going to have the expanding bow staff or just the full bow staff the whole time? Now, this is something that could be a bit of an issue. Like, how do we address, like, this weapon of choice? I think he should just carry a stripper pole (laughs) that he accidentally broke (laughs) while filming Magic Mike (laughs) and use that as his bow staff. (laughs) <laughs> what do you think i think it's a solid plan uh that would only work if we had a scene of gambit somehow being a, a male stripper <laughs> it's like in like his time off i i don't know <laughs> like the expandable staff thing that would be something that i would either have him have find towards the end of the movie yeah or have it given to him as like a tool that he uses to help his thieving more specifically with uh taking out guards without you know having to kill him <laughs> it's like there, there's a lot you can do with a stick that won't kill them outright yeah uh the the more the more specific thing that people are really going to be looking for is how he displays his powers. And the one thing that I really hope they wouldn't do is limit his power to only charging cards. Like, there needs to be, like, a plethora of things that he charges, and there needs to be not just an explanation for how it works just by, like, having him, like, showing it working, but there needs to be a sort of utility to it. 
like much like how Batman has a tool for everything and Superman is exactly as powerful or has exactly as many powers as he needs for any given situation. As a thief, there are a lot of applications that his power can have, and that needs to be explored. Sure. But also just don't do what you did in the fucking X-Men Origins Wolverine movie because god damn it, <laughs> if I see another let's only charge the tips of anything, only charge like the borderline of things, it's like, no. Well, the thing is no. <laughs> about the Wolverine Origins guy, I thought he looked the part and I thought he played fine. It's just the the writing around it was so silly. and just Yeah. He was... A less dark spot in a very dark movie. <laughs> and when I say dark, I mean bad, not, like, sinister. Yeah. Uh, the The issue that I have with Taylor is, one, if you bring him onto the role, there's already going to be a negative connotation because of his connection to the movie. He doesn't That's have true. the... He doesn't have the previous experience playing the character before that movie that yeah. Hugh Jackman had with yeah. Wolverine. Uh, also... A little shorter than I'd like. I mean, you can film it. You can always film it in a way that makes uh, him taller. Th- that's true. There, give there are ways to like scenes that don't show his feet. <laughs> g- give him like uh, camera angles that are generous. Yeah, there's ways around it. Or you could get Channing Tatum, who's actually six foot one. <laughs> I don't see. I don't. I don't know. Channing Tatum's just so buff, though. I don't, I don't see Gambit as that big, and I don't know how Channing Tatum looks in a skinny body. Uh, I, I don't think you've seen how he was drawn in the 90s. But well, early yeah. 90s, he was normal. It got ridiculous. <laughs> they gave everybody the giant <laughs> chest like and the giant <laughs> shoulders. Like, and, yeah. everyone got Liefelded out real bad. Yeah. Um, with that being said... You can thin him down. <laughs> like it, it, these actors are known for being able to adjust their body type. You know what I think your movie needs? What's that? Black jet suits. Black jet suits. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're cool. X-Men I Apocalypse. <laughs> I swear to God, if they you float a jet, <laughs> you need a protective black suit because it's tight. It's Leather. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It made a lot of sense, right? It's stealthy. Yeah. You can't see black and bright daylight. (laughs) (laughs) There's like any of the reasons that you would normally use to justify those costumes did not exist for those scenes. See, in the first movie, they actually did have the big scene at the end. At night. Yeah, so it, it made, made sense. sense. <laughs> they, they flew in a stealth jet. It, it was nighttime. Yeah. The Statue of Liberty. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it made sense. For X2, they were going into, at the end, a dimly lit, dark base under a mountain <laughs> where there isn't light much. <laughs> Oh, well. And then X-Men Apocalypse, they were fighting in the daylight. I don't know There's why. So with oh. <laughs> but yeah, that that mm-mm. don't anything, do that. Anything else to add for your 
big movie? You better wear that headpiece. There's something about Gambit where there are lots of characters that had that thing, but none of them rocked it quite like he did. (laughs) Literally none of them. Jean Grey had that shit. Fucking Superman had something pretty close to it. But for Gambit, it's iconic for him. You better wear that damn headpiece. But that's my dream movie. How about you? Now, if Santa Claus was bringing me my dream movie, it's a little complicated because if I had my choice, I would probably choose some kind of origin movie for a new DC universe. Starting with Batman, I would probably frame it in a way that starts with Batman in a world that doesn't have too much craziness going on, you know, unlike what they did with Man of Steel, putting Man of Steel first and then referencing Batman as if he's already been around doing stuff when you never see him or whatever. Right. Um, I would film, you know, not necessarily an origin story, but something like early on in his career, maybe maybe have, you know, where he does adopt Dick Grayson, you know. As like he's just become Batman not too long ago. He's still getting the hang of things. He still makes mistakes, but he still does things right. And then, you know, on one of the investigations, he's following this gangster that's been killing people around the city. And the gangster also happens to be the gangster that kills Dick Grayson's parents. You know, Ah. you can have as some uh, Romani, you know, unregistered kids, you know. Uh, Yeah. It's not too uncommon, you know. And he kills his parents for a debt or something like that. And then he's left in this environment in some, you know, romantic, you know, house or whatever, uh, with a small, maybe not a small child, but with like a teenager that's, you know, crying and traumatized and trying to put things together and just like completely out of it. And, you know, he sees his, his parents get murdered by this assassin and goes into that. First question. How old would Dick be? I mean, no younger than 16. Oh, oh, thank God. I would never, (laughs) no, I would never have him younger than 16. But you could have him where he's traumatized by this event, and Batman, you know, whether he's seen or not, maybe you could see, like, Batman's shadow in the dark or something, you know. You could film this in a really cool way. Yeah. Um, uh, Have it, like, raining and lightning outside or something, and all he sees is this dark Batman figure standing over his dead parents, you know. And maybe frame it in a way where he thinks Batman did it or something. Yeah. And then, like, Bruce Wayne trying to do the right thing, you know, takes him in and tries to adopt him, you know, because he's not in the system or something. He's out on the streets by himself or something. You know, you could do so many things with uh, the story to, you know, make it an origin story and then build the bigger universe out of it, you know. Like, we do have these more grounded heroes, and then the big extraterrestrial stuff starts happening, you know, and kicks off because of Superman, like... I think Man of Steel did that right, but yeah. since I can't really build a universe with my one movie, uh, <laughs> I would say I want to see a independent Martian Manhunter movie. Really? Because I feel like Martian Manhunter is probably the coolest and the least appreciated, if not known, uh, superhero in the DC Universe. He's he was a, a founding member of the Justice League. He was in the Justice League before Batman and Superman. Fun fact for you. I'll have you know that Martian Manhunter is getting 
quite a bit of play. Just a l- in, in, a, in Supergirl. Supergirl. <laughs> Nobody cares about Supergirl. <laughs> oh, but oh, deep burn. <laughs> but Martian Manhunter d- shouldn't be a support character, in my opinion. I think he deserves a headlining role and a headlining movie and a headlining, you know, in a universe that isn't attached to the current DC <laughs> universe, you know. Right. Um, but I would, I think you can cast a movie that's really cool, really cinematic. Um, and has a cool kind of sympathetic dynamic and make it kind of like, I don't know, like a you, in a modern era, you can make it like a climate change type of thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, make it like his civilization, you know, was destroyed by some mistakes they made or something or hubris or something along those lines. You know, there's different versions where his telepathy, their mental breakdown, where they all lived in like symbiosis with each other and then some other foreign psychic entity or whatever interacted with them and caused everything to fall apart or maybe inserted doubts into their minds or you know in evil thoughts or whatever or, you, you, know. you wouldn't uh maybe hint at uh evil white martians yeah maybe i don't know maybe later maybe in the sequel or something but, yeah but i think for the first movie may probably what the premise i would set up is there was this society that lived in symbiosis. They didn't. They didn't know dishonesty because everybody can read your thoughts openly, and that's that's what everybody does. It's just understood. That's how their society works. That's how they communicate. Yeah. Um, they do, they're, they. That is their uh, way honest, of connecting. Honest to a fault, you know, with each other and with their society and everything, and then some kind of force, whether it be one person in the you know the civilization or whatever kind of corrupts it like a virus and starts, you know, forcing these kind of like <laughs> negative <laughs> thoughts, energy, whatever, into the whole symbiote, you know, um, and the whole system. And I think you could play with that. Or you could go the, the kind of like climate route where, you know, Mars at one time was a very, you know, fruitful, long-lived planet or whatever, you know, it was, you could even make it so like <laughs> the origin of life somehow came from, mars and then interesting migrated in some way shape or form to earth and then sprouted you know life on earth in some limited fashion or whatever you could play with it in so many ways you don't have to do that it sounds silly but i'm just like throwing ideas at the wall you know oh yeah but i think you can make a really cool story about uh, a man who's you know martian (laughs) whatever the (laughs) equivalent would be um where he he is like say some kind of entity in this world lived in the society and say he was like the keeper of their history or something or you know something that would make it so he lived through the ordeal in some way shape or form somehow he escapes alive and he witnesses the death of his people and the death of his family and all these things and he just replays these and then he comes to earth where you have humans which are not psychically connected which do dishonest things and hurtful things and have bad thoughts from time to time and then you know he has to learn what how to filter thoughts and communication and stuff and he has to learn the etiquette of trying to like communicate with somebody without probing their mind and seeing their deepest darkest thoughts and desires and stuff (laughs) i think you can make for a lot of really cool like character interactions as he's trying to adjust to this new world yeah and kind of like a fish out of water story yeah a little bit and um 
you could make it in a way where it starts off he's lonely feels like he's alone and maybe even suicidal or something to a point you know extremely depressed and then maybe he you know by happenstance saves somebody you know some kid or some uh person you know in trouble and then that person like makes a bond with them and tries to help them through the system and gives them ideas on how to transform himself to look more human and ah. you know not scare people and adjust to the new world and then through this threat you know maybe through the movie he finds out what the threat was on mars or maybe you save that for later i think it'd be better to save it for later and have like some kind of uh, more of a character uh, movie for the first one maybe, maybe tease that at the end yeah yeah And I think that would be awesome because it establishes that there's life in outer space, you know, away from Earth in this movie and helps the universe expand a little bit where you can have like Green Lanterns and stuff. And maybe you can even add like a cameo at the end where a Green Lantern comes to investigate this weird, you know, alien that's come to Earth that was previously an isolated planet, you know, and breaks like a rule or something that you can't intermingle without, you know, advancing to a certain point or something, you know, any number of things. And I think it would be really cool to just play with all these ideas. Um, direction, I would, I think I would want, you know, I would like to say Chris Nolan again because <laughs> I'm a weirdo. Uh, uh, but I don't. I mean, he does a good job. I don't think Chris Nolan's the best at like character relations uh, and like interactions between individuals. I think he's great for cinematic shots and broad, sweeping, grand stories and stuff like that. But I think for like indivi- like character to character interactions, you have to have a really, really uh, a great director for that. Um, I would probably cast one of two people, and I know it doesn't seem like it, but I think James Cameron would be good for the role, specifically pre-Avatar James Cameron. <laughs> um, because uh, I, I think he used to do character interactions very well, as well as big cinematic moments with real effects and not drowned in CG like... Terminator 2 is a very good example of this. I mean, there's he's done a number of movies really well, but I think he would do a great job handling all of this. Um, the other person I would probably consider, especially since WB's familiar with her, is Patty Jenkins. Ah. And I say this because the best parts of Wonder Woman, to me, were the character scenes, where you did have the character development bef- between the ragtag group, between Wonder Woman and uh, Chris, uh, Chris Pine. Chris Pine's character. Um, yeah, I would agree. I, of course, the, the acting contributed to that greatly because they had a great cast of actors and actresses. But I think Patty Jenkins would be a great rising name that you wouldn't have to pay a ton of money, so you could keep the budget a little lower, and um, in a universe and a studio that's familiar with her and can trust her, you know. And I think she could do a really good, great job as long as you stuck to a kind of character-focused arc um, with Martian Manhunter. And um, I don't know. I just think I think she's got the right idea in a lot of ways and maybe just needs help with that third act maybe <laughs> we'll see yeah um as as for actors uh i i really don't think you need too many big names you could probably have a lot of like new talent and give them a little bit of you know maybe um i think the, uh, the Marsha manhunter would actually be perfect for new talent i think it could uh, definitely <coughs> But the person I had in mind for Martian Manhunter, this might seem weird, but stick with me. Okay. Is Benedict Cumberbatch. And uh-huh. the reason I say that is because he already looks like an alien. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> and it, I, I know it sounds like a joke, but seriously. His head. He looks like an alien. His head. And I feel like his look alone. His head. Not, not just putting his talent, his great talent aside. His head. He looks like a guy trying to be a human. <laughs> and I think that would be perfect as a person like trying to represent themselves as a human, but is not quite there, you know? Th- this sounds less like perfect casting and more like an attempt to out Benedict Cumberbatch for what he really is. <laughs> <laughs> You're on to me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, besides that, you know, um, the visual aspect of it, he's a great actor. And he I, is. I think he could do an awesome job bringing depth and believability to Martian Manhunter as a character. And then, you know, in the third act, you could really emphasize how powerful Martian Manhunter is. You know, a New 52's Justice League of America, the first run of it, Martian Manhunter was brought in specifically to be a countermeasure to Superman. Because by himself, if Superman were going head-to-head with Martian Manhunter and you didn't have the whole, like, fire being a weakness thing... yeah. You could literally, Martian Manhunter could literally kill Superman, and he almost does. <laughs> uh, and the Injustice arcs, yeah. you know, he could have killed Wonder Woman and Superman had they not basically blasted themselves. Right, and that's uh, aside from his strength, like he has the telepathic ability, I think, to yeah. uh, just end him, and also phasing through solid matter. Yeah. I mean, there's so much you could do with this character that could be really cool. It's like if you took the character from uh, Avengers Vision, uh, his interpretation of it, you could have that type of Martian Manhunter to start off. But then, you know, again, trying to adjust to these bad thoughts and negative energies and bad intent, you know, even if they're not acted upon, he he can hear you. He can feel you thinking about it. Even though you would never act on it, you would filter it out. He can see you. And not understanding these interactions, he rages out, you know, or something, you know, yeah. any number of things. You could tell what the bad intent was, and, you know, it would be a cool lesson on, like, making the analogy of acting on a idea or thought or process, you know. Perhaps you see a, a guy on the street that <clears throat> has kind of predatory thoughts, like he looks at a woman on the street, and he imagines how easy it could be to do something to this woman or something like that. But he he filters it out like most humans. <laughs> yeah. And even though those are crazy thoughts, he knows to fi- that's not normal. I shouldn't do that. Filters it out. Has some form of a conscience or whatever. But Martian Man- Manhunter doesn't understand that. And so he sees it as an immediate threat and maybe goes to, you know, stop it. Yeah. Before he's even, you know. And then he has to kind of learn that from the character he saved or is interacting with or the family. And then he learns what it means to have a family, you know even among bad thoughts and he learns what it means to forgive somebody for something they've done or thought about or you know all these different dynamics you could do and you could show how martian becomes more of a human and adopts our culture Mm -hmm. and starts to restrain himself and keep himself out of people's heads out of courtesy and stuff like that yeah and then that third act whatever happens you know Maybe somebody finds out what he is and reports him to the government, and the government comes after you know his family or friends or whatever, and he's got to try to save them. And then all the powers come out: the super strength, the telepathy, the being able to phase through matter, the um, ability to shape shift and disguise himself. You know, I think it could be really cool and really awesome. And again, I think most of the characters, including Martian Manhunter, would be well suited to be you know 
new actors but i think benedict cumberbatch does kind of look the type and he does have the acting range to do it you know he, <laughs> he would, does he would bring the respectability needed to draw people to a martian manhunter movie and i think once you establish him on the big screen then you can really go forward with him and introduce him to the greater universe and have him interact with other characters and uh, there's so much you could do with him and i Again, I love Martian Manhunter in the comics, and but I think he's just so underappreciated. Oh uh, yeah, the Justice League, the original Justice League uh, animated show, I think did a really cool um, Martian Manhunter. And there's a few stories in there, like the Christmas episode. I remember explicitly. I really love because Martian Manhunter, you know, seeing himself as an exile, as you know, an only guy. You know, he he was gonna exile himself to the Watchtower over the holidays while everybody's doing their thing or whatever, and Superman also being one of the last of his kind, understanding that kind of alien isolation, maybe to a lesser extent because he looks like a human, but you know, he brings Martian Manhunter along to his family's home where Ma and Pa Kent are having Christmas, and he has Lois there, and you know. They give him a present, and some, you know, and he experiences all the traditions. And then, you know, they encourage him to share something from his culture. And he, he sings a song or something for him or whatever in his own tongue and, you know, voice and his natural voice. And that he morphs back to his natural shape. And, it, you know, the parents are just like, all right, you know, <laughs> I'm glad you feel comfortable and stuff. And, he, yeah. and he, he, like, has a great, like, Christmas with this family environment that he thought he could never have again you know, in any way, shape, or form, and he has this nice little connection with Clark and Lois and the mom, Pa Kent, and, like, it it was a really, like, heartwarming story, and I think he could do that kind of character, like, arc in a movie very well. Oh, my God, yeah. So... (laughs) That's that. That would be my choice. Very elaborate, and <laughs> I wasn't sure because I was thinking like reboot, but then that the idea. I always thought about it, but I never like put the pieces together. I think that could work out really well. Oh my god, yeah. And you wouldn't you wouldn't need a really big cast. You, you need, really wouldn't you need like maybe four core characters. You know, <laughs> one guy to be the main villain from the government that comes to investigate him or something. You know. Yeah. Uh, maybe Amanda Waller. You know. Probably, yeah. Um, <clears throat> then you need the character or the family that he saves or helps or whatever else and that helps him guide him through these human interactions and understanding these different things. And then the main actor himself. And you can cast any number of extras and stuff to be the, everybody else, you know? Right. I, I think it could be a really cheap movie, you know, to make as long as you don't drown every single second in CG nonsense or something. Right. And, uh, like for <laughs> him and his... Maybe not completely natural state, but his like more humanoid but still green. Yeah, like the, the practical effects. Yeah, you can you can make him you know human the majority of the time if you wanted to. You could just make him Benedict Cumberbatch for the majority of the movie. But then the action scenes are in the introduction. He's his natural state, you know. And I think that'd be cool. And you'd yeah. have to spend a little bit on CG to have him like phase through stuff, or you know, um, you know, to have him transform on screen or something. But I don't I don't think that's like asking too much when you look at a 300 million dollar movie like justice league and you're like what did they spend all that money on you know cocaine (laughs) (laughs) yeah um that is actually a pretty sweet idea i would love to see that movie (laughs) yeah so maybe i'll write a script and harass it yeah do it stop disrespecting martian manhunter (laughs) all right founding member of the justice league yeah it's like there is storytelling gold here yeah well that wraps up our topics for the week but seeing how it's christmas i Mm. thought it would be very appropriate to give you my christmas present 
So, in the holiday spirit, I have some gifts to give you. Ooh. Primarily because they're comic related. Of course. And here you are. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Mon ami. <laughs> oh, buddy. So, here I uh, got for you and framed for you uh, the second <laughs> full appearance of Gambit cover Jim Lee and uh you have some sexy eye candy to go along with it hey <laughs> but this is his second full appearance uh 267 of uh Uncanny X-Men and I thought you could really get a kick out of this one and it's in really good condition I was really surprised when I I found it because I didn't ex- expect to find one especially in that good condition I had a shot at getting you the first full appearance uh there's a little divisiveness because he makes a cameo and right. Uncanny X-Men Annual number 12, I think. But he's just like in the background, and that predates Uncanny X-Men number 266 by like a week or two because fuck it, <laughs> the writers said. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were really close like so, either way. So I had a shot, but I just couldn't get there before someone else came and swooped in and bought it. <laughs> Literally an hour before I got there. So Oh, sweet mercy. I got that one for you. And then the other one I thought was probably one of the most iconic and coolest Gambit covers where you seen there holding Rogue. And I th- I thought you'd like it a lot. So I figured why not give this to a guy who can really appreciate it. You damn right. So Merry oh. Christmas. Hooray. <laughs> uh, yeah, your your present is coming. And <laughs> you you may or may not like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I'm so anxious. <laughs> well, folks, that wraps up another mediocre edition of Hit the Books podcast. Mediocre. I want to thank you all for sticking with us. If you like what you hear, be sure to hit like and subscribe down below on YouTube and follow us on your podcast services of choice uh, and on social networks like Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, we're at HTBVids. On Facebook, you can find us at facebook.com forward slash hit the books. Our website is HTBVids.com, where you can find links to all of this stuff really easily. And we have our own private blogs that we'll be posting in not too long from now. Uh, I put a new link on there on the webpage where you can actually see the previous covers of the week. And you can see if we reviewed them, whether the cover matched the drapes or not. Uh, down below the rating, and there's a picture and everything there for you. If you want to find more of this stuff, you can always use our main resource, which is freshcomics.us, uh, where you can always find the latest releases. Um, are there any other big things you want to put out there? Um, Not that I can think of yet. Well, I want to wish you all a happy holiday. Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa. And if you celebrate anything else this time of year, I hope you enjoy it. Festivus for the rest of us. Until next time, I'm your host, Chris Holcomb. And I'm Emery Saunders. And we'll see you next week. Merry Christmas. Bye. <laughs> Silent bye. Holy bye. All is calm. <laughs> <laughs> We're so stupid. <laughs> <laughs>